another episode recap from Lego Masters on my podcast, Talk Bricks Masters, which is the only Lego Masters podcast you should be listening to while you're riding a mechanical bull. I'm so excited to be breaking down this episode just like I break down all the Lego news weekly on my YouTube channel, Talk Bricks. And there's going to be even more podcast fun this week because I've got an interview with our special guests that arrived in this episode, not to mention the team that went home. So that'll be coming out on your feed in a little bit, so be sure to subscribe to make sure you don't miss out on it. And with all that out of the way, let's jump into this recap. Well, we expect lots of crazy challenges and crazy episodes. This one maybe was the one that blew my mind the most, but of course, I need to break it all down with a panel of guests that I trust. So starting us off making his episode recap debut from season two, we've got Moto. Say hello to everyone on the podcast. Howdy, podcast. <laughs> well, we're so excited to have you. And of course, making his uh, you know podcast reappearance for the second time this season after the sneak peek. We have Dave Coletta from season two. Hey, everybody. Great to be here. Thank you, Michael, for having me. Oh, my gosh. Pleasure's all mine. And you know and love him. He's a stable on the podcast. From season one, we've got contestant Mel Brown. Hey, thanks. Thanks for inviting me, man. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. You got a good panel tonight. Oh, yes. Bringing the fire here for episode three, of course. Um, but listen, this was a crazy episode. The, you know, bricks were flying, being flung across the room. Mel, what was your high level takeaway of this episode, our episode three? Oh, man, I just it's it's amazing how I think the show kind of reinvents itself. Like at, at the point, like people want to see America wants to see Lego explode and break. And that's just <laughs> thing to do. And it's just great that you you find you reinvent the ways of how to do it. How do you create this destruction? I'm all in. <laughs> well, I love it. Yes, I think it's it's really fun. I think, you know, when I talked to the executive producer last season, they said they just kept trying to think how far can they push it. And when you think they've exhausted all the options, they come up with more and more things to explode and blow up. Uh, but Moto, you know, this is your first time on the podcast. What was your takeaway from this wild, you know, buck wild episode? I, I was really excited to see this one. This is my uh, favorite of the season. I know we're not that far into the season, but this one was <laughs> a favorite challenge of mine. Um, it reminded me of a more advanced version of the shake table, uh, the earthquake challenge that we had. Um, the main difference, which we'll probably get into, is that the bull uh, rocks at an angle. So it's not just a flat shake, a uh, seismic shake, but it's actually this dynamic uh, bucking, you know, bull that will that will move at angles and sideways and and tip your thing on its side. I, I just thought it was amazing. I would have I would have loved to have this challenge. Oh, my gosh. We would have loved to see you do it. Yeah, I called it in the last uh, in the last podcast. I called it the shake challenge meets the puppet challenge. That's what I said. But Dave, you were in the puppet challenge. So what did you think about this episode? I, I'm really happy with this episode. I really feel like le, the the show found its groove here. It was really focused on what it was trying to show. The builds were very clear. Like what was being asked of the builders to do was very clear. The judges were great. Will was great. I, I really enjoyed this episode. And I really feel like this is what Lego Masters is about. Yes. Wow. I, well, I, I couldn't even have said it better myself. But yeah, it definitely felt like now we're like in the thick of it. You know, the contestants aren't quite as nervous. They're really tackling the cha challenges head on which I really did appreciate this episode, especially. But let's jump into it. So, you know, we get this big kickoff, you know, Will with the big Lego Masters belt buckle. You know, my only question was, how do I get one? Uh, but, you know, he says, welcome to the Wild West. And he intros our judges, Amy the Outlaw Corbin and Jamie the Kid. And I don't know if it's just me, but I love Jamie in any sort of outfit. And I just find him entirely ador adorable. But Dave, you know, what did you think about kind of this uh, silly intro to the episode? 
I mean, really great. You got Amy, looks great in her blazer. Uh, Jamie's playing into it. Will's in there, but we're not wasting a lot of time. We're getting straight into it so we can focus on what people want to see, which is the Lego. But we still got some really good jokes and some great tumbleweeds. Yes, exactly. <laughs> prop prop tumbleweeds, not a real one, but yeah, good prop. Right. But yeah, they didn't. They really didn't waste a lot of time, to your point. And, and that was something I noted as well. Um, but uh, the, my favorite line from Will was, we didn't do all this to see Jamie in a pair of chaps. And they said, <laughs> no, we did. It was totally worth it. Uh, but Mel, you know, it's a wild, wild west challenge. You know, is this um, a, like I know there was a Lego Western theme that they had back in the day. Is this your style of challenge or, you know, more of the city builds are your favorite? Definitely more the city builds. I think I would have been leaning on Jermaine for the creativity and the like, because at this point, you're kind of building a almost life size type of build to sit on a bull. So I think we probably would have probably did it like, you know, go something large with like Lego or maybe or something like that. Yeah, um, it, yeah it, it, it was it. This this one's definitely challenging. Now I'm envy because I want to do this challenge. So you know I'm envy. You know why did they think of all this great stuff when we were on? Like you know I just ah you know I'm envy. So I know, but you still get to do all the back in my days as you want. You know because you were in the first season. <laughs> right, right, right. All I'm gonna say is that you know, um, and we'll get to it. Like space and cowboys, they just don't mix. They they never did, and it's it, it's a bad. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hot takes already coming early in the podcast. But, you know, jumping into the challenge, it is Brick and Bull Ride as the theme. Cedric the Bull, which I don't think has ever referenced his name ever again. Um, you know, uh, you know, he's he's here to take our builders builds on a ride. And their their challenge was to build a bull rider that can survive the longest on top of the bull. And it's funny because they say the longest, but it more seems like the highest level. But, you know, I don't know if it was a time piece or not, but basically they're cranking up the bucking intensity until your build comes flying off. And uniquely, they gave them this very like specific build platform to build on. And Moto, I, I feel like I have to turn to you. When you <laughs> see a platform like this, you know, what are you thinking about in terms of strategizing to make the connections as strong as they need to be? Yeah. I, so what I did is I, I paused the show after they announced the challenge and I wrote down some notes of like, what would I do blindly because I didn't want to be influenced later on. <laughs> and the first one was I did see some technic uh, footholds, I believe, and a recess in that base. So the first thing you want to look for is no, there was no technic footholds. Maybe no, they were I, used to I pin looked in. At it, I looked at it really, really carefully. And there's nothing on top. <laughs> it's four of the mosaic plates, mm -hmm. double stacked. So there's actually eight of them. And then there's some Technic pins on the side. And there were parts on the side that you connect to, but there was absolutely nothing on top. Correct. Nothing on top, but there were pins along the side. And yeah. I couldn't tell if those pins were used to mount the, it into the saddle. So you weren't, they weren't available or whether they were. Um, but that was the first thing I would have looked for is um, any sort of Technic brick, Technic holes. Um, the mosaics do have uh, Technic pin locks around the outside, um, but that was the first thing that came to my mind is I wrote down, uh, you know, pick, uh, Technic binding, um, and they mentioned this a lot in the episode, but uh, very quickly I realized it's going to be low center of gravity. So you got to get the mass as close to the saddle as possible because it's a rocking motion. It's not just side to side. Um, and then uh, this is hilarious. I wrote down jackalope. <laughs> Because I live, I live in Denver, and um, you know I've been to Waldrug and sat on that jackalope many a time through my childhood. But there, 
I just thought that was uh, was just spring into my head, and 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 fortunately, one team took that on. So, of course, I had a I had destined favorites of watching it. Definitely colored my view of the episode. But um, yeah, technically wise, I would say you know using a binding core out of Technic, um, trying to keep the mass as low as possible, and there was probably a height requirement. Everything looked like it roughly had, was built to the same height, so I wouldn't be surprised if there was a height requirement. But you want to keep to that requirement, but try to find a way to keep uh, it not going over that or barely touching it um, as much as possible. And then and then um, I guess a lot of hopes and prayers as far as it's concerned, because I was like, <laughs> this is only 11 hours. So it's this is definitely one of those ones where you don't have a lot of time to plan. Um, you just got to start laying stuff down as fast as possible to meet the time requirement. That was my other concern is I looked at the clock and I was like, these people have got to go really quick really quick because it's not like a 16 or 18. This one didn't have a lot of time to it. Yes. 11 hours is definitely one of the shorter times that we've seen in any of the challenges from both seasons. And that was definitely my concern for them as well. And the interesting thing is, you know, with one of the you know previous challenges, they had a bigger layout that they could play with, you know, whether it was, um, you know, like the last challenge, especially so you could be building the mountain while somebody's building the cars, you know, whatever it is in this one, I feel like, you know, when it's one object, I feel like that's kind of challenging. You know, Dave, I know you did something similar in like the land and sea challenge where you're building one, you know, character, but I feel like uh, there's, there's that challenge too, where you want to build fast, but how can two people work on the same thing at once? That was my thought. But what was your thought about like kind of the, the watchouts as we look into, you know, taking on this challenge? Um, so a couple of things stood out to me. Amy early on said that we're going to judge equally the technical and a compelling character. So right away, they're setting up that these two things are equally important. It's not about exactly how long you stay on the bull. And we'll get into why that's not part of it. But what <laughs> I like about this challenge is that if you like go to some of our other challenges from previous seasons, perhaps the demolition derby, they said, well, one is going to look good and one is going to be how long it lasts. And then we'll put those two up against each other. And that was really confusing. This was very <laughs> clear what they were going to be judging on. And it, they said equally, we're going to look at technical and we're going to look at aesthetics. So the audience doesn't get confused about, well, this one lasted longer than the other one. And that's why, why does this person get eliminated? So that was really, really clear right away. And I really appreciated that. Um, sure. And then we were talking a little bit about some of the hidden requirements that they might not announce. Definitely, there was a height requirement. I'm guessing it's about 30 inches. Uh, that was the height that it had to come off there. Um, and then the other one was it looked like they had to have at least four appendages and like a certain oh. distance that those appendages had to come off because everybody had at least four appendages. Yeah, I, we, we don't even think about that. That's the only stuff that you can get when you've been on the show. Uh, for sure. But yeah, I think, you know, when you're approaching the challenge, I feel like you're trying to think compelling character, but you're also thinking strength, 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 you know, so I think it's one of those, you know, it's a, it's a, you know, damned if you do damned if you don't, if you don't situation. So Mel, you mentioned you'd lean on Jermaine if, it, if you were in this challenge. But you know, it's the first second of the challenge. What are you thinking about doing first? Oh, I, I, like I'm with Dave. I'm sitting here, and I, at this point, I'm probably looking around the room, seeing what other people are doing, right? Listen, <laughs> Aaron did that. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta find a good character that that would like withstand, like you said, the height. You gotta worry about the height, and then you gotta worry about like the like the appendages. Like you got, they want stuff, you know, flailing, and you know, it, you gotta have that motion going on, right? So, and I think that's all with the aesthetics as well. Um, I'm, I'm definitely, you know, I'm, I would lean towards the aesthetics versus the, the actual <laughs> technical stuff. And, and, and I think, uh, you know, I think Jermaine is probably more technical than the aesthetics. And so, uh, I, I think, uh, but 
uh, yeah, that's what I mean. I would I would definitely try to make a great character, like you know. And I want to say who character I like best, but I you know I would try to bring out a, a good character that somebody would remember. So yeah, well, you know, Amy even said you know it can take a long time to build a character that's compelling and interesting, and eleven mm-hmm. hours doesn't really give you that much mm-hmm. time, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's probably something I would be considering too, because you know I feel like in a bottom two scenario. You know, kind of reminds me of your, uh, you know, shake challenge from last season. It was like, you know, from the bottom two, the one that had aesthetics would be the one that was saved. They, that's what they said last time. They didn't say it this time. But uh, but, you know, that was sort of if, if precedent, you know, is something we can rely on. I think that's probably what I'd be thinking about, too, is how do I at least nail the character? You know, like, is, you know, I, I don't know how to build strong, but I, I can nail the character. Um, but yeah, so let's, you know, jump into it with one other, you know, kind of fun twist, which is the golden brick is back. You know, uh, Will said. You know, uh, he's coming back with all sorts of sacks of money. And he says, I think we just struck gold. The golden brick is back. It provides protection from elimination for one team for one challenge. Great reading of the rules, Dave. And, you know, and the build that lasts the longest will win the golden brick. You know, mm-hmm. Moto, the golden brick was, was introduced, obviously, in season one, but it was also on your season. Were you thinking, how do I get the golden brick or let's just be safe? You know, like, you know, what, what, how do you balance those things? Cause there's still a decent amount of people. You can totally fall in the middle. No, I mean, whenever the golden brick was up, I wanted to have it. I mean, <laughs> I don't know about any other contestant, but that's a, that's, that's an advantage worth reaching towards. Um, and it was interesting that the judging took into account time, you know, time was, or sorry, not time, but the level at which you, you know, your builds, you know, survived was half of it aesthetics was half of it but the the brick was a very clear cut longest there is going to win um now you know the golden brick can only be used later on so i mean meet the meet the challenge head on you know develop a character and and make it strong um but i guess there's a little bit of extra incentive to anybody who is who was really trying to make that thing last as long as possible to go to grit you know to get that golden brick yes I mean, I feel like maybe there's some way to just like hit the very minimum requirements. I'm thinking, can you make like like a pencil character, something really like skinny that doesn't have a lot of air drag as it's being thrown around and just like survive, like just be the longest, get to level 10. I just want to mention it was introduced when you're already into the belt. Um, so that's I think true. You, that's true. Right. So so if they had done it from the beginning, there probably would have been a different outcome. But uh, I guess it was more like an enhancement. It was it was introduced almost as a twist element when you already had your stuff, you know, pretty far, pretty far in. Yes. Great point. I'm glad you brought it up because, yeah, maybe they did that intentionally so that people wouldn't hedge in one direction. But we did see Stephen and Stephen, I think, even discuss, should we pivot and just go all strength? Mm, yep. Um, mm-hmm. But but Dave, I know you're, you're strategy minded when it comes to the show. So, you know, what would you have done if it was you and Richard? Well, first of all, I just want to say. I'm really excited that the golden brick in this case is the first time it's not subjective. This is straight up. You hit this, you earned this immunity later on. And that's the first time ever on us Lego masters that this has happened. It's always been up to the judges to decide. So we can't say that there's any favoritism about who's getting the golden brick in this case, whoever meets it, you get the golden brick, you earn that immunity. What a great way to do it. I loved it. So, you know, I got to say, we did pretty good on three challenges that involved strength and aesthetics. <laughs> so uh, I don't know exactly what we would do, but I, I do know that uh, I think we would be near the top for this challenge. We need a raging bull quote. I could have been a contender. 
<laughs> well, obviously, Dave, you did quite well in the make and shake challenge. So you definitely would have been a contender uh, to Moto's point. Uh, but why don't we jump into the build phase? Movie. <laughs> <laughs> but with so many, you know, people, we're going to keep it to just sort of like the highlights this time around, you know, kind of who, who was really popping during the build phase, mostly because they were struggling. So why don't we start off with um, Austin and Justin? So Austin and Justin, they were building a squid character and, you know, they're doctors. So it certainly had to be anatomically correct, he said. But, you know, throughout it, throughout it, they were thinking, okay, we're going to have these ball joints. And Jamie comes around to say, you know, I'm curious that you're going with the ball joints, which are meant for children to put together and pull apart. I thought that was like real shady for, for Jamie. I loved it. Uh, but, you know, that, that's the that's the trouble is that, you know, you you think, you know, you're th- if you're thinking aesthetic first, then strength might come at the expense of that. But you know, what did you think, Mel, as you saw Austin and Justin really have to pivot during this build phase and think, you know, how are we going to make this work? Because the way we're doing it right now, it's not working. Oh, ball joints, right? You know, that <laughs> ball joints are always <laughs> around, aren't they? Like, you know, they, they can be troublesome. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm glad that I'm glad Jamie came by and told him, hey, look, you know, this is, you know, this is what you're looking at. This Remember, and he, you know, redirected them like, hey, look, you know, it's going to be on a on a bull. It's going to be moving around. You might want to think about, you know, reconsider how you, you know, you, you're hearing those those arms and legs to, you know, your rider. Um, and I'm glad he gave him that tip because they were able to pivot like and, and that's just it. It might have been I don't you know, the you know, the clock plays games all the time. Right. <laughs> you know, but, you know, I, I'm not exactly sure when they decided to. All right. Look, let's let's redo it. But it, it let me tell you, it totally sucks, like tearing your bill down and and redoing it and trying to get it right you know so you don't fail because a lot of people we i mean as builders and you're looking at that clock you're like man the last thing i'm doing is tearing this stuff apart and you you build yourself <laughs> into a hole and then you're looking at to being down in the bottom too at that because you didn't you know just go ahead and tear down what was wrong so i'm glad that they did opt to go ahead and, and you know pull that first idea and take it off the table um it kind of worked out for them so yeah I mean, it's so hard. Like, I imagine it's like heartbreaking to have to literally like rip apart something that you've done on the show. Dave, was there ever a moment like that for you and Richard, you know, where you had to like, uh, you know, like it's like your baby and you have to dismantle it to make a better baby? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm sure I've said this many times, but, you know, when Jamie comes to your table and critiques your structural integrity or your technique, it is like daggers. Like Jamie, just, <laughs> I, I'm sure he doesn't enjoy doing it, but it seems like he might a little bit. Yeah, maybe this episode. <laughs> uh, he just, you know, and then so you know, you're you're thinking about it, and you know, I know we went through this and and the uh, hero shot challenge where we had this idea and want, had to pivot from that idea to another one. And Jamie just he's really big on those technical things, and oftentimes he's right. But you know, the same thing happened with Maria and Philip in ball joints in the make and shake, and those ball joints held out for them. So you know, sometimes, first of all, Jamie knows everything. Jamie knows everything. <laughs> However, has Jamie ever put a Lego on a bull before? So sometimes, you know, you never know what's going to happen. And, you know, we don't know whether or not having the legs, the appendages stay on was a requirement. I mean, was it was that a requirement? Because that that's one thing we, that wasn't a little clear from the episode of whether or not, like how much had to stay on the bull for right. it to be counted. Yeah, so. I mean, we definitely saw like a limb fall and that wasn't them getting out, you know, so I, I definitely think that there was probably like, as long as that your main mass is still on there, then you're probably fine. So maybe they should have made him weak and had it be more fun. You know, like, I feel like 
they they really liked when the builds quote unquote came to life when they were on the bull. So part of me feels like you should have uh, built a bunch of sections to break off just for the hilarity of it. <laughs> but I guess we'll never know. Um, but you know, I think you know we saw a lot of people struggling with the strength in this build phase as well. You know, Dave and Emily took a very different approach. Their goal was to make it lice. Uh, lightweight, you know, to have less weight to thrash around with their pig. And they had a great little dialogue where Dave goes, good plan. Emily says, I hate you. And Dave says, she's the boss. <laughs> but Moto, you know, obviously during your make and shake challenge, you also took a very different approach, you know, kind of going for that light uh, build as well. You know, inherently, you know, what should Dave and Emily be thinking through? Just because I imagine you've done the physics research that I haven't. Yeah. <clears throat> so so the, the theory is sound that you want it light because your mass is used against yourself. The, the difficulty comes when you're attaching the panels to yeah. that underlying structure. So um, as much as you lock that thing down into the base, um, you have to have solved some way to make sure those panels, as they're flapping around, um, they don't need to be rigid as well. Um, because when you have low weight, and, and Technic does this, it's going to flex a lot. Um, so in our challenge, you know, we we had a lot of breakaway stuff, which was, you know, a question that was asked and, and approved. On this one, I don't think you had that, or I get my sense was was that if it was part of your main body and you shed a ton of that off, it was, it was, you're going to be out. So um, it was a good theory. The difficulty comes in making some sort of system where the, the, the exterior is going to hold tight to that, to that lightweight core. Um, and I think that's, that's at least from what I was seeing, that's where the difficulty arose is, is it, it's not a, um, it's not a, uh, you know, there was, it was just very brittle. You know, if one section peeled, the whole thing was going to, was going to, was going to shear off. Yeah. Um, so, so that is a, that's a, that's a, that's kind of a tough, um, a tough thing to solve for. And I, I don't think I would have been able to do it either. <laughs> well, it makes me think back to Christine and Michelle's skeleton character. If you would have just chosen a skeleton, maybe it had open ribs. It had like, you know, all the air could just pass through it. I feel like that would have been, uh, you know, I mean, listen, obviously it would have been that much harder to get right, but I feel like that would have at least been an interesting, like hollow design that's meant to be hollow and see through, you know, to the other side. Yeah, if, I, if you were allowed, there may have been a rule in place that said you had enclosed everything. Um, that's true. Because sometimes that is a rule, which is, which is, I kind of say that because I noticed that all the bodies, all the bodies were, were completely enclosed. There was none that kind of opted for a, for an open work. I mean, the extremities were allowed, but not, not the core. Yeah. Well, and you know, everything in Lego masters feels like a gamble. You know, they said they were starting to notice problems throughout it. And they said, you know, everyone else is building solid. We gambled hard. <laughs> I think my genius <laughs> idea is not genius. Uh, you right. know, Mel, can you relate to that? You know, I feel like you're, you're an idea guy, you know, was there any ideas of yours that Felt genius in the moment, turned out to not be genius. Absolutely. Like, you know, <laughs> it was a season one, episode six, where Jermaine was just selling this idea of a bridge because he did his homework before. And, you know, um, and it's funny because we actually had a heart to heart after that. And, uh, um, and you know, his idea was, oh, we're just going to, you know, plate our beam all the way through and it'll bend, it'll bow and this and that. And so in that episode, the idea was to, you know, build that thing. But he has me doing supports and supports wasn't lining up the way they're supposed to. So I build another set. Then I build another set. Then I build a fourth set. <laughs> so at that point, you look up and there's 30 minutes left on the clock. So our genius idea wasn't so genius. Um, and then I, you know, our heart to heart was like, hey, man, look, if we were building a bridge that was supposed to bow with weight, why are we building 
the supports? <laughs> and he couldn't he couldn't answer. And it was like, you know, so you you go in. What was my man? Uh, uh, Mike Tyson said it. Everybody's got a plan until you get hit in the mouth. Right. Yeah. <laughs> got hit in the mouth. And I think that Dave and Emily got hit in the mouth. And the thing about it is that you you're going light because you're thinking, well, too much weight will knock off, you know, knock off all the bull real, real fast and everything like that. So but if you don't put enough weight, you'll knock off the bull just as faster. So, yeah. um, you know, you having a strong core was 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 key in this challenge. So, yeah, your genius idea could be not so genius. You know, yeah, I I think the key was it's a strength to weight problem, right? It's like designing aircraft. You want it to be incredibly strong and lightweight, but that if you don't have both, you're 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 in real trouble. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know. I feel like, uh, you know, why don't, why doesn't everyone study physics before they go on the show? You know, instead they're studying how to do snot techniques. You know, I feel like, you know, I think everyone should just trust that they all know how to build, but then figure out the mechanism piece. Cause I feel like that's always the make or break. You know, did you, did your motor assembly work? Did your, does your strength to weight ratio, right? Um, you know, I feel like maybe the, the prep game has to change for the competition. <laughs> I don't know, Michael. I mean, yeah. I, I feel like Thank you're yeah. gonna, no matter what, they're gonna throw something at you that you've never seen before. And even with the most sound physics, you never know how Lego is going to behave in these circumstances because they're putting us to the test. They're really <laughs> putting us to the test and giving us things that nobody has ever done before. Who's put Lego on a bull and had that happen before? You don't know what exactly is going to happen. So I applaud Dave and Emily for like trying something different. I think that's a great idea to to think outside the box and hopefully it'll work. And sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. And I think you're, you're, you are rewarded on the show for taking big risks. I think they, the judges really like that. I think there's like a soft spot because, you know, so much of, of Lego, especially their company philosophy is around play, you know, like how much play are we doing? You know, like, uh, and I think they, they don't see it as like, you know, that they don't look at the toy the way we do. You know, it's more about creativity and play and art and that sort of stuff. So I feel like if you're having more fun, if you're taking bigger risks, bigger swings, I think that the judges do reward you um, for doing that. Even if the challenge doesn't reward you, I sort of feel like the judges do. Um, but I guess you can never be too careful. But I'm starting to think about that show, American Ninja Warrior. And, you know, once the show became very popular, all these ninja gyms, they came up, you know, throughout the country, you can do a lot of these crazy parkour, you know, nonsense, you know, rock climbing nonsense that they do on the show. And so I think we need to create like a Navy SEALs type intense training program where you're like building with one hand behind your back and blindfolded while your other legs on fire and you're running. You know, I mean, I think we need to like stress test all future Lego Masters contestants so that they are ready for anything, Dave, that nothing could surprise them on the show. Michael, but no one will be ready for the sheer amount of puns. (laughs) <laughs> that, that is true. <laughs> oh, well, we'll have to have some 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 dads to do some dad jokes, you know, like you know, while you're while you're while the clock's running down. What are you gonna do? This... You're gonna spend a night at the improv, uh, you know, doing stand-up comedy to get yourself ready for Will Arnett. I mean, it's just it's too much, right? I mean, everybody's <laughs> got their strengths and you play to it, I guess. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Um, well, why don't we move on then to Carrie and Patrick? So during this, you know, they were in the bottom two. They're uh, you know, Carrie said it best. He said, last week, we got a taste of humble pie. This week, we need to rise above it. And, mm-hmm. you know, he went on to even say, we've got to represent Nashville. Get that menorah flung in your face. Uh, I, I, I've been to Nashville. I, I didn't have that experience. Um, but, you know, when you're in the bottom two, you do have to pick yourself up. And I really loved Carrie's attitude. Uh, you know, Moto, what's your take on this team, you know, going into the build phase? You know, they've been in the bottom two. It's time to redeem themselves. But 
at least they've got a plucky attitude. Yeah, I mean, I I, I love this team. Um, you know, they're one of my as far as like just the personality and um, the joy that they bring to the show. Uh, they're 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 one of my favorites. Just to just to listen to them and to just <laughs> just to I just love their interviews. I love their interactions. Um, they they really are. Uh, you know, the grandpappies, I think, uh, from a lot of the comments online are, you know, fan favorites, you know, just one lovely, lovely team members. Um, the, I think, I just don't know, I don't feel like qualified to, to, to speak to that, because I don't, I think my experience was always kind of being in the middle, never at the top until, you know, just crashing out horribly. So, oh. <laughs> so I, I don't know what that would have been like. I know that after the, sh- you know, the, after the shake challenge, I felt awful. Um, I thought, you know, it was an aesthetic disgrace and I was not feeling great <laughs> after that. Um, you just, you just don't have the time. I don't think I just gave myself the time to think about it. Cause I didn't, I didn't need that to, to, to continue on. It's more like, okay, that was, that was a wreck. I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna ignore aesthetics again. I don't want to, you know, phone in this God awful, you know, horrible mess of a build. Oh, you're too hard really, on yourself. No, I mean, that was that was really it is to lean, you know, to maybe overcorrect, but to learn from your mistakes and evolve, but not not to dote on it, not to, you know, I'm a fairly unemotional builder. So for me, it was more like, yeah, this part of it really sucked. And I do it kind of like if you've ever listened to Keanu Reeves, he does the same thing. He's overly hypercritical of his performance and his training, but he does it as a method of betterment, you know, uh, and being being a better soul and a better person and a better performer for it. And I, I kind of looked at it the same way of, of never shying away from the criticism and accepting um, the failure to heart, but as a method to try to watch for that and, and improve over. And I guess that that's kind of the way you've, you got to be at any one time. If you're getting knocked, you know, get knocked down six times, get up seven kind of thing. You just, you, you don't, you don't have the time or I didn't give myself the time to really feel bad about it. It was just get up and start fighting again. Yeah. Just like Chumbawamba said, you know, I get knocked down, but I get up again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and you and Keanu both have beautiful long hair. Uh, so I, I could see why, <laughs> why you respect him so much. Uh, but yes. I sure. Mean, <laughs> well, they, you know, they jumped into this challenge full force. You know, Patrick said they're making an alien, a weird looking guy, as weird as we can make it. You know, Dave, you know, you know, when you're, when you're thrown into a challenge where you have to create a character you know, what do you think about Patrick's philosophy? <laughs> you know, make it as weird, but also incorporate a lot of technic bricks. Well, I know, Michael, that you've talked a lot about the importance of icons and you want something that you can look at and you can know what it is. So if you're creating a character, you want to be able to at least get some sense of it by looking at it and saying, yes, that looks like a person. It has eyes. It has a mouth. It has something <laughs> that recognize, that makes it recognizable as a character. I think that they went in a different direction. I mean, to me, it almost <laughs> looked like a Kachina doll, I guess. Um, and I thought it was, I thought it was really colorful. I thought it had lots of personality. Um, I think maybe, you know, you talked a little bit at the beginning about how it's hard when you're working on one thing and trying to build something. And it seemed like they had to work on different parts and then make that connection at some point. And it seems like that might've been one of the things that could cause problems down the line. Yeah, I know. I I think a lot about like those Pixar behind the scenes stories about how they create all those memorable characters for their movies. And I remember the one about Wally and how they were so like particular about Wally's eyes, which are like those binoculars. But even the way that they're shaped 
you know, they're very round, but they kind of have this softened curve, which makes him very sympathetic. And you have to remember, the first like half hour of that movie has no talking. And yet you are so endeared to the character really just because of the eyes. You know, there's no nose, there's no mouth. And so, but it just shows that with one really specific and like poignant choice, you can fall in love with a character. And I feel like, you know, that's, I think what you're getting at, Dave, which is sometimes the weirder you make it, the like less essential that design choice becomes. And and it creates, it doesn't create that bridge to connect with that character in the way that you want to. Um, but yes, I, I mean... I, I felt for this team too, because I feel like they also have this like fun, wacky energy that I, is, I don't want to, I don't want to bridle their unbridled creativity. <laughs> uh, you know, so it's, it's a double-edged sword where you, you know, I, I would hate to, to paint them into a corner, you know, of, of trying to focus them too much. Um, but Mel, any takeaways from the grandpappies for, from their build phase? Oh man. Like, you know, once upon a time, I think on season one, Rusty, Rusty met some aliens in a saloon, right? And it didn't oh, yes. work out. <laughs> And, and so this space cowboy that they made, you know, ran into a tombstone because space and cowboys just don't seem to mix out well when it comes to Lego. Right. <laughs> so, so, but, you know, I shout out to the old dudes. Right. And me being the first grandpappy, you know, <laughs> you know, I really feel for these dudes. And I could see that how America loves them quickly because you know, you're never like the guy said, you're never too old to Lego. You're never too old to Lego. And it's just, you know, it's tough to see them, you know, struggle with this build. And like me, you know, me, you got Dave, you got you got Moto and you know how this is going to turn out. You're looking at the building, you're seeing who's struggling and stuff like that, especially when it's strength challenges and you're struggling doing the strength challenge. It, it, it just never seems to to work out as well, you know, Um and maybe miracles happen. Maybe they don't, you know, but it just, you know, with strength, you either know it or you don't. And at this point, um, I, like, I think the character was lacking and it was actually one of the the space aliens from Buck Rogers. So I'm mad with this whole panel because you should know that. So <laughs> <laughs> you, you, should know that. you should know that. And so um, he, uh, um, yeah, it's just, you know, it, it, they struggle with, like Dave said, they struggle with actually bringing that character out and then they struggle with actually being able to have that character sit on that you know with just having it sound and having a strong core you could see when they were the way they were building it it, it was it was it was wobbly at, at the tape and and so it was just you know it, it's 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 a crying shame it is because yeah. you don't want you want those guys to do well oh we we totally do and you know, Dave, you know, when you mentioned like the two halves coming together, it really reminds me of Randall and Sarita's, you know, one hanging brick challenge, you know, where, they're, you know, one's working on the top, one's working on the bottom, they didn't match up perfectly. I think in this case, maybe the matchup was was a little bit more dimensionally correct. But but we know that that can create issues, you know, so yes, I mean, listen, the sweetest, you know, on the show, I, I like I have such a special place for them. Um, but yes, we, we, we hate to watch any all of our favorites struggle. Um, but uh, but, you know, Carrie and Patrick, sadly, were no different to this episode than some of the other teams that were struggling. But mm -hmm. a couple other fun highlights. Uh, Steven and Steven, they grew up in Calgary and they've, mm -hmm. you know, bull riding is in their wheelhouse. I, I you know, I don't I, 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 I sadly don't understand, uh, you know, the, the kind of wild west of Canada of it all. But, you know, Steven apparently had ridden a bull many, many, many times. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I just have to ask the panel. Has anyone here ridden a mechanical bull or a real one, I should say? <laughs> no, I haven't. But Stephen, if you ever make Will do that again, I'm going to be mad with you. Don't ever have Will pretend like he's riding a bull because it's not a pretty sight. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, it's, it's listen, it's impressive that you can get Will to make a fool of himself. You know, I think that's a <laughs> that's a skill in itself. I actually have ridden a mechanical bull before and I I didn't make it to level one. You know, like I I, I definitely uh, I mean, I'm, listen, I lasted any amount of time, but I can't say I was good. My whole goal was I, how to fall gracefully so I didn't hurt myself or break anything because I knew I wouldn't last. It was more so how do I mitigate what I know is going to happen? So <laughs> I've, been, I've been to rodeos and I've seen, you know, I've been to, you know, drinking establishments that have those bulls. And I am the person that after watching a couple people go on that thing, I was like, this is not I need my hands. You know, I'm an artist. <laughs> this is not this is not something I'm willing to do. Okay. Um, um, or even chasing, I, I you know, I chased, you know, when I was really young and went to the rodeo, I had to chase a calf around the stadium, all the kids and whoever gets it, you know, gets a prize kind of thing. But that was, that was as far as I was willing to go. Cause once I got older, I realized just how dangerous uh, all this stuff is, but, but yeah, yeah, that's crazy <laughs> that he's, he's actually, you, I'm surprised you did it. I'm just like, no way, no way. Well, There's I too was much. in college. So, you know, my, my, my joints weren't as, uh, as, as creaky as they are now. Nope. There you go. <laughs> Um, well, that's the build phase. Any, you know, if there's any other highlights, certainly let me know. Otherwise, we can move on to the judging phase. They spent a ton of time in the episode on the judging. Listen, it's the showstopper. It's it's definitely the, the part that we were all waiting for, especially the anticipation of seeing the destruction, I feel like is, is a is enough. You know, we had to see it for ourselves. And Again, they had the, you know, the, the cranking up meter, just like in the make and shake challenge from levels one to 10, the team that lasted the longest would win the golden brick. So I'll take us through the order of teams in order that they were in the judging phase with the first one being Christine and Michelle and their build was called Chabalita. It was a character from Hispanic culture. Uh, you know, Michelle's from Mexico. And so they wanted to always bring their culture. And that's really one of my favorite parts about this team. They they don't shy away from it. They put it first. And I, I, I like I love it so much. But, you know, Dave, this was a really unique one. What did you think about how this one came together? So I think I have a special place for this team, too. They remind me a lot of me and Richard in that they're trying to say something with their builds. It's sure. not just making something cool. It's like we're going to represent something. And I really appreciate that from Christina and Michelle. Um, so I think that they, I think Christine, from what I know, really is like a Lego STEM teacher. So yeah. I expect real great things from her on this challenge. And it sounded like they really thought about the center of gravity. Um, I loved the sympathetic movement. We've talked about that before yeah. um, with the hair and the limbs had such great sympathetic movement. Um, and the color was just outstanding on this. And everything about this, I thought, was a really outstanding build. And I enjoyed seeing it on the bowl. I mean, you get a great aesthetic build, but you got to see a great ride. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Such like fun, colorful choices. But Mel, what was your takeaway of the build? Shout out to, to uh, Christine and Michelle. Um, and Right on time because it is Hispanic Heritage Month, so that was that was just what what the culture needed. Um, uh, man, this is like the most prettiest skeleton I ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm in love. Um, <laughs> I think. I think the ladies nailed this build. Um, it, it is it is sitting sitting pretty, and it's 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 answering every call that. Amy and Jamie could ever want. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm real impressed with, with this build. I am. Yeah. I mean, I think like, you know, Amy loves good color, but I think it's it wasn't color for color's sake. It was well-placed mm -hmm. color, cohesive color, you know, which I think was just so special. But Moto, what did you think of their final build? Uh, well, I, like they said, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Um, they're the team that I've known the, the longest, I think, that's been on the season. I've known before um, being on the season. Um, and 
I'm just, yeah, I was really impressed. Um, I'll just remark that when it comes to character design, like we talked before, this was an example of of one of the teams that 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 dialed in the character design, right? So you don't want to have a lot of confusing, conflicting colors overlapping because it acts like camouflage from a distance. So they had a very simple palette, right, or a, a standard palette. In which case, when they use those highlights and those pops of color and features, they do lift right off the background that they they chose. Um, uh, you know, large emotive eyes, you know, we talked about yeah. that. Um, the proportion was pretty good. I, I mean, we'll speak to others and their overall proportions, but, um, uh, you know, just, just right out of the gate, one of the, one of a great, a great example that, that kind of set the, the bar going forward for all the rest of the builds, you know, is a great comparison. So, um, excellent character design. You guys are doing fantastic work. You know, I, I liked it just as everybody else here has commented. Yes. I couldn't agree more. We, like we talked about, the hair was so fun with those like black cords. I thought that was really amazing. And just like all of the like, uh, you know, all the color and even all the elements, like the floral elements around the eyes was all like very specifically placed. It sort of feels like when you're getting like a fine, you know, like kind of fondant, you know, cake from a wedding, you know, uh, place and they're placing every drage, they're placing every, you know, flower. It just seems very uh, deliberate. And I think that's why this one felt like a really cohesive character. Well, that's hard to do with 11 hours too. You can't just sit around and like delicately play stuff. I mean, they must've been slamming it, but they have some innate nature or something's going on where they, you know, they had it, they had that spark. For sure. Yeah. They must have just that perfect sense of it. But in the bucking, if you will, you know, of the bull level one, we see some of that movement that Dave was talking about. That was really fun. Level six, they lost an arm, but I also felt like that was entertaining. And then it broke at the waist and just fell over at level seven. It was just, <laughs> and listen, this is our first taste of it too. You know, I think in the, in the make and shake challenge, you had gotten to see a building, you know, on the shake table before ever building. They didn't get to see that here. So, you know, I wonder if that was at all a factor for them, but it was so exciting to finally see it in action. Amy said some of the biggest risks with the limbs paid off once it moved. And Jamie went on to say, Great that you put so much strength into the core as it lasted so long. Really great job. Any thoughts from anyone just about the movement finally when you got to see it? I think it was just super fun. I mean, I mean, that's what you want. You want something that's fun to look at. You want something that's exciting. And, you know, it was a great way to start off the competition. Yes, couldn't agree more. And it also sets the, the bar literally from the level standpoint. I feel like that was a big thing with your season. It was the, the first team made it to, I forget, it was like level six. And everyone thought, oh, that was really good. But then every team started making it to like eight immediately after. So it's it's funny uh, how it either really sets the bar or doesn't. But why don't we move on then to our second team, Steven and Steven. Theirs was maybe the longest name in Burton, the bow-legged bull riding bullfrog. And this was a really fun character <laughs> as well. Uh, but Moto, I see you laughing about it. What did you think about how Steven and Steven's character came to life? So overall, like good, good character design. I think the proportions were a little weird for me, but that's to, you know, that can be explained to the the lack of time that people are slapping everything together. Um, overall, I, I, you know, I think it was well done, well executed. Um, you know, kind of. I just don't want to repeat myself because it kind of brings up the same points I made before. <laughs> but, uh, but no, the choice was was a was a good one. I think to have a bullfrog on top of a on top of a bull. It's one of those things where you want it to be outlandish, but understand. You know, it's it's outlandish and funny, but in a way that I think leans into humor and, and, and gives yourself a good opportunity to really um, bring about a character. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. But I think to your point from a proportion standpoint, I did notice 
some real wide hips on that bullfrog. You know, I think it must have been for the sake of connections onto that, you know, giant base plate uh, piece. But we'll have to see. Dave, what do you think? I, I think those proportions were absolutely intentional. I think that they are thinking low center of gravity. Let's have a lot of mass down at the bottom and then let's taper up as we're going. Um, during the build phase, Stephen said, which Stephen? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Stephen said. The captain and the, the firefighter. And so, you know, when it comes off, they, we get this great technic core that they've built. But the sculpting on this was incredible. There was some yeah. really great tapered studs out sculpting on the torso and the legs and the shoes. And uh, the color blocking was really great. I think I'm going to say a lot of these teams have studied color theory going into this season because you can see that they are thinking about what colors go together and what colors complement and how much of colors to have. So it seems like there's some real intentional thought about color, especially in this build. I thought it was original. I thought it was unique. And I just, I loved the way it was sculpted. It, outstanding sculpting. Yes. I think the sculpture piece that sort of struck me the most was how they managed to keep the, like the grid of the flannel that they had designed, even as it tapered. It didn't look off, which I think is very hard to do in Lego because of just the natural grid of the pieces. But the fact that they were able to make it look so cohesive, even as it tapered, that was one of the standouts to me. But Mel, what did you think about this bow-legged, bull-riding bullfrog? Uh, I think I think it was great. It kind of reminded me of being like back in the 90s as a kid playing a video game. I mean, when I seen this bullfrog, that's that's what I seen. Like, you know, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm playing either Sega Genesis or, or Super Nintendo, you know, with, with, with that frog. Uh, the, the, the characters off the charts. Uh, and like, like Dave said, they really studied the colors that, that have it pop out you know um and uh and and you know it it looks funny like you said like with the big hit <laughs> it looks funny but like dave said it, it probably was intentional so you're trying to keep that center gravity see and so maybe they're using their real bull riding you know you know technique here like you know they know what to do you know as far as putting the build together and making sure that it stays on the bull long enough so you know, bull riding experiences is imperative right now. So exactly, I think everyone <laughs> needs to do some, at least one extreme sport before you you yeah. do the competition. You know, you you never know when you might need it. Bull ride. Um, but yeah, I mean, really cute character. I loved the expression on the face, and I and I liked a lot of these characters that had more dynamic poses. You know, this one had one arm in the air. You know, which is more traditional for the bull riding, but you know, could have been a risk when it came to the actual bull riding. But yeah, this one turned out super great when it came to the actual bull riding you know, part of the challenge, it was looking incredibly solid the almost the entire time. Level seven, the arms start sort of waving back and forth, uh, but th even still feels solid. And then finally, level eight, the arm falls off and then it flings the top half all the way across the pit. This one flew pretty far, um, but they made it to level eight, you know, so like we said, the bar was set at level seven. Now we already have a level eight um, here just in our second competitor. You know, interestingly, we got a couple pieces of feedback from Will this episode. He said, one of the most solid cores we've seen on Lego Masters. And I'm curious to know how he knows that. <laughs> well, he's always going to, you know, say that the latest season is the greatest and best things of all. But um, it reminded me of the moment where Dave, I mean, your inspired build for the Shake Challenge was, was you know, he picked that sucker up and threw it on the floor and there's probably a permanent dent. <laughs> or they buffed it out for season three. But, you know, I think there's a nice little chip in the floor uh, for season three now where that where that sucker was thrown a couple times, you know. Um, but that was what was remarkable to me is seven. Seven was really the litmus test for a lot of these belts. And the, the reason I noticed that is 
Seven was the first level where it gave a really good buck at an angle, which is which is where you're getting into the extremes of testing how this thing's really going to hold up. And um, to to go through that, and you know, to Dave's point, to to see that the the technical solution worked that well um, and went through that level eight was was very impressive. And then to to see the the amount of binding done in that core that was pretty intense. It it reminded me of like a shrunken down version of, of you know Dave and Richard's solution for the for the um, the way they bound the exterior of their of their shake. So so a lot of a lot of parallels in my mind. Yeah, and uh, you know Amy said you really did make a fantastic character. You should be proud of, and I agree. Mm-hmm. So moving on to Austin and Justin, theirs was the Billy the Squid, as we talked about with its tentacles. And uh, I, I loved this quote where they said, "Even if he fails, he'll fail spectacularly, and that will be awesome." <laughs> But Mel, what did you think about Billy the Squid? Billy the Squid, I, I think for them, for them turning around their build like halfway through the time. And I'm thinking like, because, you know, um, it's probably about halfway through the time they realized that they messed up. I, I think I think the squid is looking great. I think they got a shot at this point. And I think that I feel strong. I, sh- I feel strong with them because, you know, they, they they saw that correction. They fixed it. You know, they fixed they saw that problem and fixed it. And yeah. uh, um, the build is looking great. So at that point, right at that point, you gotta you now you're you're you gotta realize that you're you're Jamie, right? And I just and and I just told them, you know, you're gonna have problems with X Y Z, and then you bring me something where you corrected what I just said. Oh, you know, I, I'm giving you that mercy. You know what I mean? Because you you, you <laughs> and, and that's how Jamie think. I'm giving you that mercy because you you made that adjustment. When I told you, you know, and so, if you know, so if it go wrong, I got you because you made that adjustment, like, you know, um, and so I'm feeling I'm feeling good, you know, about this build and, and, and it's looking good for the time that they had, because you got to think about it. They they completely dismantled their thing and, and had to hurry up and, and breathe life into it. So. Yeah. And I think like for me, the shaping was just so impressive, like especially when you got side views of it. It, t- mm-hmm. it sort of leaned back like you'd expect. Like there was just so many like really exceptional sculptural details. But, you know, Moto, I, I know you're known for sculptural details. So what did you think about this one? <laughs> Overall, it was a very, 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 very good build. I, I think like, it's almost like, you know, a squid is very bulbous on top and then it narrows and then it comes back out. Right. And I think um, a lot of these have a tower look to them where they they the character is there but they always look a little bit boxy um so i think for what they had they did a really good job i'm i'm blown away by what they did in the amount of time especially considering all the editing and the back and forth that happened um what i would i do wish or i think would have been better is they had if they had recovered the time right if they didn't have to pivot I think this one would have been even better. Yeah. Is what I'm thinking. Cause cause because just looking at it for the amount of like time put in and the amount of time they lost, I, I'm really uh really ho- hoping that in the future, you know, that they don't have to do another pivot. Cause I want to see, I want to see them put the full time into it. I think it's gonna, it's gonna really um shine, right? When they don't have to be concerned about, you know, Jamie having them correct. Yeah, no, I mean, fair point. We always want to see the builders like at their best, not at their at their at their most struggling. But Dave, what did you think about this one and the final showpiece here? I mean, I actually thought the sculpting was pretty good on this. Uh, I thought there were a lot of really complex things going on. Um, There was a lot of expression in the character. Uh, The eyes really were great. Um, The pose was great. And again, this is another one where you see color theory going into play, like the ratios of the 
the pinks and the blues and the yellows together. They're really well thought out. The one thing that I think that this, this episode is missing, which was really clear in the make and shake, is we have no idea what kind of support they had inside that. So mm -hmm. it, it's kind of disappointing to not know how every team supported I mean, there's a, quite a few teams where I'm like, I don't really know what they did. We, they didn't <laughs> get any good look at how they connected it, which is sad because if you really want to know how a team was able to stay on the boat longest, we don't really know. But I thought it was a great build, really well done creating a character. It felt like a character. It had that personality from the color to the sculpting to the expression and the details that are that go into it. Yeah. And I loved the little hat. It had like a little cowboy hat that was kind of cockeyed on the top of it. And I just, you know, like a little, uh, I just loved that one. That was maybe my favorite little detail. And especially as it shook, as it shook around, you could see all the little like suckers on the bottom of the tentacles, like an octopus would have. And that was like one of those little details that they maybe could have left off. You know, who's even looking at the underside, but I'm so glad they didn't because those are the fun, like surprise and delight features that I think we like to see. But again, mm -hmm. you know, even with all of the original you know, thought that it could fail, you know, at level seven, it's looking incredibly solid, especially the the tentacles, they didn't seem to budge. And I, I couldn't believe that considering how they were sculpted. And then level eight, the whole thing tumbled end over end off in a really spectacular fashion. Um, but Jamie even said the legs didn't budge like, uh, like that you didn't depend on the strength of our ball joints. Uh, love that it came off all in one piece. That's the way to go out. Um, you know, so I feel like, again, like it's, we love a redemption and I feel like, you know, Austin and Justin, they struggled a little bit in that first challenge. Now we're seeing them come into their own, even with the setback, like Moto said, they're really, they're really making it happen. So I love to see it. Um, and, and like Moto said, now let's see what they can do when they have no challenges, uh, you know, throughout the build phase. And, and don't, and don't knock ball joints. I mean, they, they say that kids are supposed to be able to put these together and take them apart. I can tell you that a ball joint has much more clutch than a stud full four by four. So um, I think that really worked in their favor, like you said, with those tentacles. <laughs> yes. I mean, never, never doubt the power of the Lego brick in terms of like engineering, like it's an incredible tool. So I think Jamie's probably either selling the brick short or selling little kids very high. They're very strong, those little kids. <laughs> <laughs> um, but let's move on to Nick and Stacy. Theirs was Bella the ballerina. We definitely didn't get to see a ton of them during the build phase. Uh, Stacy did grow up doing ballet and building Lego. And she said during the build phase, it may be fourth position, but they're coming in first. And so, you know, uh, Mel, what did you think about Bella the ballerina? You talk about sculpting. Um, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, I think they spent they spent a good time sculpting this thing, I, I want to tell you, because it looks great to me. It looks great. It looks like an actual ballerina. Um, you know how like some some figures could be like sort of blocky, almost like how how, how most say you know um and I, i'm not seeing that in this in this build here yeah i, I mean I'm, i think they took a stylistic choice you know i think like they you know i think that you know they went for like kind of this cartoony look which i really liked and, I, and it felt like maybe the one of the cleanest builds you know kind of just i think that that's what nick and stacy do best but dave i saw you reacting so i'm curious to see what you thought of this one well i mean i'm not sure how much of this was sculpting i wouldn't really call it sculpting but i would say uh nick says we put a crazy amount of technic into this and i believe that because whatever was going inside it was a very thin core whatever was happening in there and i mean what i was impressed with was the pose which it was able to keep through the motion um you know it was just really simple but effective part usage you know they're not going they're not going to put a ton of stuff on it but what they are going to put on it is very meaningful and they're putting those parts on where they count 
So you're not, in, in some ways, this reminds me a lot of Dave and Emily's build in that yeah. it, it had a lot of the same aesthetic, but it's like a simpler version where you don't put a whole bunch of other stuff like Dave and Emily built an octagon. Nick and Stacy built a very compact rectangle or square and they kept things simple and that worked really well for them. Yeah. I, I had in my notes that it felt a little like pancakey. It was a little flat, um, you know, kind of gingerbread-esque, you know. But but listen, I think like like you're saying, it doesn't add more weight. It doesn't add more complexity or points of failure. Um, I, the one thing I was so surprised about was with the limbs, they were like kind of these like boxy pieces, but where the elbow hit, I was like, that's going to fall off instantly. And the fact that it didn't, I I there must be some magic in there that I couldn't tell. But Moto... What did you think about this, you know, the performance of the ballerina? Oh, I love, I loved, um, well, I love this one. So, so I, I think um, what, what was said about it being cartoony, you know, I look at it as, as a positive, like illustration, right? So yeah. you, you take the character of the ballerina and you reduce it down to almost like a peanuts level, right? Character yeah. design, <laughs> very simple patterns. The color, once again, is done extremely well. And the just just the overall expression kind of hits you right the right proportions i like that there was a ballerina um tutu on it or skirt that was coming off as well that held up really well but ultimately i think this one was was where someone was looking at that idea of a lightweight structure right make it very lightweight but also make it very strong. So as we talked about the lightweight approach, this one was more of along that line of taking something that was very tall, um, uh, but but really stripping all the weight out of it. Yeah. Um, so so I loved I love this build, um, and, and I think uh, you know this team I've noticed does very very strong character design. So I'm not too surprised that this was one of the one of the best proportion and well done character type designs. Um, I think that it led to their benefit, you know, as far as building the characters, um, thinking it through and then executing it. And then, uh, yeah, the overall strength was impressive. I, like I said, don't knock those large toe ball or small toe ball joints. They, they, they can take <laughs> quite a bit as long as, once again, as long as you strip out and make every little ounce of ABS matter, um, I think is a real testament to this build. Absolutely. Yeah. And, I, and the cartoony thing for me was definitely a plus. I think that it had such a cute face with a large open mouth and the rosy cheeks and the bun and the, you know, kind of closed eye look. And it was just, I mean, it really came together, but they also had all the little details. Like you mentioned, the skirt, even the crisscrossing ribbons on the ballet slippers, I think, you know, kind of going up the leg that, you know, they didn't miss a miss one detail, even as they boiled it down to its essential components, like you were saying. But yeah, so from the performance standpoint, level two, the hand starts waving back and forth a little bit. Level eight, we lose a little bit of the skirt and the arms moving a bit more. But then level nine, it gets thrown off. And this was like very impressive. It's like, you know, we're only on the fourth team and we're now already up to level nine. I, I was like, how many teams are going to hit 10? I, I really was like, I, that's where it seemed like it was going kind of like the bridge challenge, you know, where, you know, where um, uh, Mark and Boone and, and Tyler and Amy, like both were like blowing out the records. Um, I thought maybe that's what we would start seeing here is they'd have to like add a weight, a camera weight onto the, onto the ballerina <laughs> or something. <laughs> But yes, this was super impressive and 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 really just a fun one. So let's move on then to our next team, John and Xavier. Again, we didn't see a ton of this during the build phase, but it was a really fun surprise for me with their build Radar, uh, this anime style robot girl. 
Uh, you know, but this one was just definitely a fun one. Moto, what did you think about how Radar came together? Um, I think, it, well, it's right up their alley, right? They're right <laughs> on theme. They're right on narrative. Uh, going full anime is, is not a surprise here. Um, uh, I think someone spoke about kind of the, the idea that a lot of these teams have great color theory or have taken color theory. And that, that's certainly something that should be studied. Um, you know, definitely look at animation because it seems like character design is, is an essential part of your, you know, Lego Masters narrative in your journey as you go through the show. For this one, once again, um, white would seem boring, but once you put a lot of hot pink and a big, uh, a lot of a lot of uh, blonde hair on top, um, you're getting those color pops that read from a distance, right? Read from a distance is really important to this challenge where the bull is far away and these are larger scale, uh, you know, humanoid type models. Um, having having that bit of of illustration and and as a strength i think lent into this one um definitely you know not a pancake you know this one was i think more um rectangular as far as depth and width um but uh overall really enjoyable and i loved the fact that the the radar was was twirling and spinning around <laughs> and you saw that effect on the, on the mechanical bowl, something to draw your attention. Like we talked about, um, you know, uh, some of these models had had those pieces that were able to move and, and added to the narrative as, as they were sitting on the bowl. Yes. Oh, my gosh. The radar was like hilarious, especially in the first person view where you're seeing up and close and personal. I loved that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I think to your point about the color piece, you know, white pieces, you know, Lego makes a lot of things in white. They don't make a lot of things in pink. So I feel like if they had attempted to make the whole armor pink, they would have run into trouble. And so I think starting with a color that they make a lot of different pieces in is always a really smart choice. And you never get pigeonholed or your techniques don't have to be too simple. And I really love that about this. Uh, but Dave, what did you think about the way that this build looked at, at at its conclusion? I mean, I think Moto pretty much said everything that needs to be said about it. It's on brand. The radar is amazing. Color is great. Uh, I, I think the only thing I could add is a unique arm pose, you know, something different than what the other teams are doing. And the legs really looked good. I mean, it looked like I like an anime character. And so I really loved the effort that they put into this sculpting on it. Yeah, the legs were like super substantial. And they had even like some nice details on the knees. There was these like circular dishes to add more of that armor detail. So like, like, you know, the legs could have been an afterthought. And maybe for some teams, it what probably was. But I think they really made a fully fleshed out character. If this was the puppet challenge, they would have certainly been rewarded for it. Um, but yes. And, uh, and I just love the cute face, the really cute, like anime face again, rosy cheeks. This was I mean, the face was so amazing. Mel, what did you think about this one? Uh, yeah, like Moto was right on it with, uh, with the details. Uh, and I think my, my favorite character, uh, my favorite part of, of this character was was the radar. Like, I mean, everything else was like A1 grade, but the radar, you're making something that moves. You know, it gives you that uh, applied movement as well. Um, and it, it was just it, it was just I mean, these these teams are hitting like out of the water. And um, I love the fact that this character is different from all the rest. You know, yeah. um, it's easy to do. Well, I would say easy. It's not easy. But when you think of a character, you, you would think of a pig, you would think of a frog, you would think, you know, an anime character, you know, that's riding a bull, you know, and and and, and they took a They took a gamble with that. And then, they you know, putting that that radar dish in, in the anime uh, character's hand, you know, in, uh, you know, kind of set them a little bit, you know, one level up, up you know, above the competition a little bit. Um, yeah. I think the bill looks solid. Oh, so solid. And I think I mean, we talk about this all the time in Lego, but humanoid characters are very hard to do in Lego because 
you know, as I think like, you know, psych psychology tells us, you know, we see faces in everything, you know, people were constantly looking for faces. That's like a great way babies connect with people is because mm -hmm. they're sort of like, our, it's our, our animal instinct to recognize a human face. And so to create mm -hmm. a, a human type character that we can connect with in the way that this one, I think was just so well done, you know, I, I, that's where this one really does uh, stand out for me. So yeah, super, super impressed with it. They, uh, you know, in the actual bull riding piece of it, level two, that radar gun spinning was just hilarious. Uh, wow. Level six, we're losing a few pieces on both sides. And in level eight, I only noticed it in the slow-mo, the entire chest falls off, which creates enough of that structural weakness for it to break right in half. And so it's one of those things where I think like you were mentioning, Moto, it could have been a nice, strong, but thin core. And it's those other pieces that really provided the rest of the strength. And when that gave out, you know, uh, it couldn't stand it. But again, the only feedback we get here is from Will where he said, made it to level eight, really great job. So some, some really intense words from Will, you know, it's so detailed in his feedback there. But um, yeah, a lot of Will for some reason in the feedback piece of it. So listen, I'm here for it. Let's go on then to Aaron and Liz. This was our rootin' tootin' cowgirl. And, you know, one thing that we didn't cover in the build phase, it was just a quick line, is that they wanted to show their women power with the cowgirl. And I love the other feedback was looks amazeballs, which it really did. And, I, and again, another team like really trying to represent, they talked about like, what if they could be the first female team to win the golden brick? And like, I love that the show's highlighting all these different people and like the representation of it all. And Liz and, and Aaron are some of the best, I think, to represent just a really amazing, you know, female team that is just having a ton of fun and bringing so much to the competition. So that was my little anecdote about them. But Dave, what did you think about their build? So at one point during the build phase, I think Liz says that she wants to sculpt it out more. And mm. it's clear that that is something that did not happen much in this. You could see a little bit of sculpting that was done on the hips, but they did something interesting, which was they leaned into parts usage. So instead of, you know, going the same way that some of the other teams were and really focusing on the sculpting, they had the capes, which was the amazing part usage, so much so that Amy is asking them to custom make a vest for her. Yeah. <laughs> um, they've got like the, I think they're just using stud one by one round plates for the pocket stitching on the front and back of the jeans. So they're really leaning into those little details, which is something that Amy really loves. So I like the way that they're trying to connect. And it's a great strategy. If like sculpting is not something you have time for focus on something else that's going to be just as awesome. Yeah. No, I, I mean, the, the capes definitely reminded me, of course, of Natalie and Michelle's Hats Incredible build, because that's sort of what added the feathery capes you know, on their build as well. But yeah, I mean, I think you make a great point because there was a lot of just smart part usage to create very recognizable, simple details. You know, I think of just the angled plates that created the crisscross of the vest closing in front. That was just simple, but like incredibly effective. Mel, what did you think about this rootin' tootin' cowgirl? Oh, yeah. The the, uh, the aesthetics on this thing is nice, right? You know, uh, like I said, the part usage that Dave, Dave highlighted. highlighted. Uh, I think that, um, I think the girls are, like, they, they're definitely a force to be reckoned with. Uh, and that's just it. It's like, if you're not, if you know you're not so much good at one thing, like, all right, we probably can't. They probably, you know, sat down and had a talk, like, hey, look, we probably can't make this thing hit 10 on the Richter scale, on this on the scale, 
So it's going to be the best looking cowgirl, you know, we have, you know, you ever seen. And so using those pieces and 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 making sure that this piece looks, you know, aesthetically pleasing, I think that's going to that gives you a bump up if if it goes south, right? Yeah. No, I I think like you know we always have to remember too. It's like the best you know build that they can make in eleven hours. You know, like I know what this team's capable of. Mm-hmm. You know, to your point, and it's just sometimes. You got to think, I have 11 hours. How do I make the best 11 hour build I can make versus the best build I can make? And I think they use the time smartly and they got a build that lasted a pretty long time and looked pretty good. So Moto, what did what was your takeaway of this? Uh, n- nothing more to add other than the cowgirl was surprising to me because it's it's almost too literal <laughs> of, of, of a choice. Um, so I think every, like they said, well executed, well designed, well built. Um, my only concern is thinking like a judge is, you know, we gave, we give you a bowl and you build a, you built a cowgirl, right. Which is a very kind of literal interpretation where um, you, you, I would think, you know, given the prompt of a Western, you want to lean into that Western and make it Western, but Western adjacent, right. A little yeah. bit more outrageous, a little bit more silly. Um, but for what they chose, I think is very well done as these guys have mentioned for all the, all the same reasons. Yeah. Well, and part of me feels like when you're trying to figure out how to build, listen, I've never been on the show, so I shouldn't say anything, but I feel like when you're trying to figure out what to build, especially in these short challenges, you're like, you're like, uh, you know, bull riding, bull riding, bull riding, cowgirl, you know, or like, or you're like, you know, Western, uh, Billy, the kid, Billy, the squid, you know, you're like bull, 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 bullfrog, you know, like, I feel like you're just like, you're doing like word association. And once you get anything to go off of, you're like grab bricks. Uh, so it's one of those things where to your point, you know, maybe that extra, you know, 30 seconds both gives them something more unique to consider and maybe also inspires them in a, an incredibly fun way that takes their build that much higher. You know, I think, you know, we certainly saw that with a lot of the builds here, but I feel like, you know, like when you're on the Clockosaurus, as the, you call it, Moto, is, oh, is up, up against you. Yeah, Clockzilla, like, Clockosaurus. Oh. Yeah, exactly. So you just got to think. I think it's all like a word association game at that point. Uh, well, why don't we move on then to Carrie and Patrick? Their build was the Spaced Out Cowboy. And, um, you know, this was we talked a lot about it in the build phase. You know, but Mel, you know, what did you think about it? Seeing it all together? Seeing it all together, uh, man, um, it, it's it's not as impressive as the 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 other bills that are in the room. It's in it looks in good shape. You know the the sculpting he did. I mean, not his sculpting, but the aesthetics on it. It it, it looks like a robot to me. Um, and, and I mean, you can identify what it is, but at the same time, you're looking around the room and you realize that you know if it if they if it's in aesthetics, you know that they're not they're not in in that ballpark a little bit. You know, so um you know um I I just wish this thing. Uh, I wish he had a robot man instead of like, because it looks like a, to me, it looks like a a triangle, a robot that's a triangle at this point, like a cone robot. Um, and so, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, it's just that that's, it's just a tough break for those guys. It's, it's not it's not the best looking, you know, piece in the room at this point. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to say because like, you know, you see it as a robot. They called it an alien. You know, so I think yeah. like that's that's the tough part is that, you know, when the when the details aren't quite recognizable, where you're see. calling it an alien, but it just looks to Mel like a robot. You know, maybe that that sort of says it right there, if, if you will. But, you know, Moda, mm. what did you think about the spaced out cowboy? Yeah, well, I have I have concerns. So I'll always <laughs> say this up front is no, I mean, so, yeah, I'm going to be I'm going to be critical for this one. And, and that's where I think that a lot of the fans of this show need to understand that when you're judging something, you're not judging the people. Right. Because I love sure, them as a sure. team. You have to separate the art, from, the artist from the artwork. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, my I have a couple of criticisms. One was 
the overall shaping was was confusing to me. You mm-hmm. know, it didn't read as humanoid or humanoid-like, kind mm-hmm. of like, you know, how Star Wars, they have aliens, but they're, you can kind of recognize, it's a recognizable humanoid. Sure. Um, not too far out. This one, I think, suffered from the, the overall shape, like Mel pointed out, but also um, we talked about the use of color. And this one, to me, read a lot like Rainbow Warrior. So you, yeah. you know where you you make a model, but you don't, you just jumble all the colors together. I think there was a lot of colors and pattern that were laid in where it did become that sort of, um, uh, gosh, the, uh, I'm trying to think of the name for the World War One camouflage using ships, but it was like a zigzag pattern where it was almost getting a moray or uh, it was hard to even interpret the shape because it looked very busy from the color perspective. Once you got all those things layered on and stacked on top, um, I think another difficulty was we talked about the expressiveness of eyes. And I believe on this one, there was, oh, it almost looked like there was an eye in the belly button, but then at the top, there were some more eyes or a single eye. It just, it just read as, as um, confusing for me to interpret, right? What, where am I supposed to be looking at or how is it looking at me? Um, you know, kind of the, la- the lack of facial features, if they were there, I just couldn't make them out. And so just the, 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 the aesthetic read for me was 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 jumbled, and I think I think that's that that's really what put a pin on it. Um, as far as the um, you know this the well, they didn't say storytelling, but I mean the the character's narrative. Yeah, right. It was it was a tough subject to go after, but if you did something like um, Zorg the robot or Zorg the alien, and you made it very clear that there was a spacesuit or it was green, right? Once again, simplify that color down so that the 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 bits that you put on there are supposed to give it meaning really stand out from that character. And I think that that's where it got muddled for me. Yeah. Well, I think like part of the trend that I think we see from them, you know, like in the last episode was, you know, can they edit it down? They have so many good ideas. Can they edit it down? And that's what I kept thinking about here was, you know, Amy's feedback from the last episode, because they had, you know, like stripes on the bottom, they had a big block of pink at the top, there was all these radar, you know, satellite looking pieces and all this sort of stuff all over. And listen, any one of these ideas on their own is not a bad idea. It's just all of them together. You know, it's it's kind of like, you know, what kind of cake is it? It's not chocolate or vanilla. It's, you know, blueberry, strawberry, pineapple, peach, mango, you know, it's like, whoa, that's a lot of fruit. You know, I like fruit and I like all those things, but that's a lot of fruit. Um, So that's sort of how I felt. But Dave, what did you think? I think that's a good point, Michael. I think, you know, your mind and your eye are looking for patterns, right? And when it's a whole bunch of different things that are all really cool, that's awesome. But when your mind looks at it, you're like, it's too much. I can't, I can't take it all in. So like, they've got all this great color. They've got all this great texture. They've got fun parts being used. They've got some cool sympathetic motion that's happening during the shaking, but there's just, it's all over the place. And like we're talking about, edit it down, get it like simple patterns that we can recognize that our mind can comprehend. And that's what's going to make those icons. Yes. Yeah. Cause you know, and they talk about like the icons a lot. Cause like you said, you need your eye to be able to land someplace. And I feel like my eyes kept ping ponging around as I tried to like decode it. And and it's funny that, I, that word decode, because that's also something that they said to them last episode, which was like, we couldn't decode. And and you should never have to decode any, you know, anything. Uh, it's, it shouldn't be a challenge to understand it. It should be, you know, the challenge is that you did it. Um, you know, but I mean, listen, like, like I said, it's it's one of those things where I don't want to I, I don't want to say no to them because they're they have such great creativity. They bring so much great energy and really like the the 
the mix of all those things worked so well, for instance, in the first challenge, where it was about creating a party, about the, the use of color really being the enhancement of it. You know, they had the checkerboard floor, all these things. There was a lot of patterns there, but it sort of fed into that narrative, to your point, Moto, of like making it make more sense instead of making it sort of be a little bit more confusing. So yes. So when we get into the actual bull riding, it's very solid through level three. And then at level four, it just fell right off. You know, the whole thing really tumbled down. And, you know, and it was crushing because, you know, that's by far the lowest one that we'd seen, you know, which is, you know, which it means, you know, something, you know, like it's, it's likely that something's going on with this build. And so your heart sort of sinks. Amy said, fun and colorful build, but I think it was just too heavy. And Jamie said, with the way it broke at the base, I had a suspicion that was a lot of weight for the studs to hold on to. And, you know, in the Lego world, we call this clutch power. You know, how, how kind of like much of that breaking force can those studs hold on to from a weight standpoint. And if they were relying only on those studded connections, that also could have been part of their issue, it seems. And of course, Jamie looks at a build from, you know, 10 feet away and is like, mm, I have a suspicion. I have a suspicion about that. Um, like only Jamie can. But this one, this one was heartbreaking because, you know, it's hard because so often yeah. in the art of this show, you know, we are, it is subjective, you know, and, and there's certain aspects that you can pull out that you like that maybe I wouldn't like. And the judges like something I don't like. And I like something they didn't like, you know, but with this one, it's the numbers. It's hard to argue with the numbers and you know that they're in trouble and that really hurts. <laughs> no, was, this, this is the point where I was just, uh, uh, yeah, silently, uh, feeling bad, <laughs> feeling really bad. I know. I know. Cause like, also, like you said, you know, when we, we talked about the, you know, the art that they made, but the people too, I'm like, that's when I go right back to the people and I'm like, no, the grandpappies. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. So why don't we move on then to Dave and Emily? Uh, again, you know, this was Toby the pig and this was a really cute build. Uh, Dave, what did you think about their pig design? Well, wait a minute, Michael. It's not Toby the pig. Isn't it Toby the birthday pig? Oh, apologies. That wasn't, that wasn't in the naming. It is in the story because though. <laughs> I guess that was my question is like, why do we have a birthday and a pig together? Now I could see that maybe the hat was going to help them reach that whatever that height goal was going to be oh. but again maybe that maybe we should put a put the head lower and have that hat be the thing that gets us there cuz that's a smart strategy that we'll see soon of having something very small and very thin going up to hit that top point so that would have been a great way to get that ha uh that height requirement but i was a little confused about what was going on there um what i did <laughs> like there was an amazing facial expression on this pig, really greatly done. And that octagon shape is a really tough shape to pull off in Lego. And it looked good in that octagon shape, but we'll talk about what happened. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's one of those ones where if it was the puppet challenge, I think they'd be in like the top. Cause I think to your point, the character was really strong and the expression with that, you know, one eye was higher than the other. The mouth had such a, you know, a great shape to it with the buck teeth. You know I mean? They really like, the character was quite nailed. I'd say, out of if it was just a character contest, I would put this one towards the top. I really top five at least. Um, you know, like I think this one really had that strong character. But obviously, we know there's a lot of underlying structure. You know, conversations to be had. But Moto, what did you think about Toby the pig? Well, I'm, I I just want to repeat what Dave called out, which is the uh, the octagon shaping. Right, having the plates at angles um, lent itself to to you know a very. I think it helped. It helped the yeah. character where a lot of these are basically you're trying to create a character that's really a tower. So they read as rectangular or they can read as an ice cream bar or they can read very much as this rectangular object. They are attempting 
to layer in maybe to give it some roundness to look to it, or you're just illustrating on top of, right? Giving it that 2D look from a distance that's gonna that's gonna read as a person. Whereas this one um, kind of felt fully realized as, as a unique shape amongst all the contestants for me. Once again, simple color, mostly pink, right? This is a solid primary. The blue jeans read from a distance. The belt buckle reads really well. Um, and like, like Dave mentioned, the overall expression is, is spot on. Um, and, and only Dave would point out that maybe it could have been a smaller pig in a larger hat. Uh, <laughs> that would have been brilliant. I think that would have been brilliant, um, a brilliant technique to, to pull off. But um, overall, for what they had, the aesthetics were there. And oh. until, you know, until there was motion you know, inserted into the equation. Sure. Well, it's funny that you mentioned it being a birthday hat, because I, I, in my notes, I had uh, a frosting pile on the head with sprinkles. Um, so that's how I read it. <laughs> but, but I think birthday hat makes a little more sense than what I'd written down. But Mel, uh, you know, what were your takeaways from this one? Why does this pig got a badge on his, on his left shoulder? That's what I want to know. You know, <laughs> why? Now, the pig looks great, right? And 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 Dave, we know you can, you can, you got characters. We know you can do characters. So the characters, <laughs> you got that in the bag, man. Uh, I think someone's know. getting triggered from law enforcement and association. Yeah, yeah, I am. You know, that's something like, <laughs> I'm like, wait, what are you saying, man? What are you saying? I gotta drive off the hand. Um, no, um, <laughs> but you know, Dave, Dave knew he shouldn't have had his wife go down that rabbit hole and you're making a strength challenge. And you know, yeah, you you I mean you sacrificing one thing for another. You are like, you know, because that like you said, that that octagon shape. And 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 when you add the fact that, that this thing is going to be moving, like you got to wake up, you got to pull yourself out of that rabbit hole and like, wait a minute, like at a certain point, you go like, wait a minute, you know, this and that's where you pivot and you do the right thing and you, and you, you scope that thing out for the strength. Um, man, <laughs> it, it was just when 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 the ocean got moving, it was tough to see this thing crumble. Yeah. Uh, and even during the build phase, we we had noticed that the head had kind of a bobblehead effect. And so part of me was like, I feel like Jamie was looking at that being like, I suspect that there might not be a good connection in there. <laughs> um, but like I said, character wise, this one was uh, was a real standout. But during the bull riding phase, level one, it's already shaking a bunch. The head's bobbling around, which could have been a cool look, except for mm -hmm. that at level two, you hear that big creak and a crack, and then the entire thing falls mm -hmm. off. And, mm -hmm. you know, like if we weren't crushed at the level four, you know, performance of Carrie and Patrick's build, this one, you know, would send you at least sent me to a, a sad place. Um, you know, Jamie said less weight is a good idea, but it comes down to the connections. And I think that's, I mean, that's just the truth of it. I mean, that that's the whole challenge in a lot of ways is that, you know, even some of the other builds, I think there was plenty of weight, but they had, they used that weight to create more connections. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that if, if you have to like have something be at the expense of it, let it be because there's too many connections, if that makes any sense. Well, to me, it went down like a deck of cards. It was literally like those panels were like cards. And the minute you had a, like I said, a sway, it was, it, it, yeah, it just went down like a deck, of, like literally stacking a deck of cards up, <laughs> you know, in the sculptures, you pull one, pull one and the whole thing just fluttered apart. It was heartbreaking. Yeah. Well, and, and you mentioned like, you know, sometimes a thin Technic core can have a lot of flex, you know, and, and I think people also forget there's a little gap between all Lego pieces that they're easy to put together and take apart. And that creates flex too, you know, so, so, so that's why yeah. often you have to like, 
triple reinforce something to, to sort of take that flex out of it. Um, so it's, it's one of those things where, especially with speed, you know, with 11 hours, it, they balanced it in a, in a unique way, like we talked about, but it, it didn't seem to pay off for them. Moving on, though, to Brendan and Greg, Kelsey, the Cactopus Queen. Um, this one was definitely a very unique character. Um, but Mel, what did you think about the Cactopus Queen? I love that they went with the, uh, the I guess, what was it? The, the What they used? The, um, the wheels to keep it, like the hips rolling a little bit, right? So it's pivoting a little bit while, while, it, while, it's, on the, uh, while it's on a bull ride. I love that idea. Um, I think, I think, Brandon and Greg are definitely on to something with that. Like, you know, it's good to see, it's good to see that somebody like, like Moto would take like Lego and, and challenge Lego and, 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 you know, to make this beautiful sculpting thing and then, and then put it for them to put it on a bulls and be like, you know, just there, you know, just you're defying all odds. And that's what this challenge is. I want you to defy all odds. I know you could probably build something strong and put it on the bull and you can crank it up to 10 and it don't, you know, you know, budge at all, but do something to defy the odds, you know, you know, you know, it's entertainment. Right. And so (laughs) Moto's that kind of guy, (laughs) Moto's that kind of guy. And so I think that Brendan and Greg are definitely on to something. I cannot wait to see more of them because they're defying the odds of, of this challenge. Really? Yeah. Well, it definitely reminded me a lot of in the make and shake challenge, what Caleb and Jacob tried to do, you know, they tried to build in the technic piece and, you know, the wheels as well as that shock absorption. But it sort Mm -hmm. of, I think, turned out more like Caleb and Jacob's Hats Incredible build, where the thing sort of looked like it was falling over as it went left to right. Uh, But, you know, uh, but Moto, what did you think about their final build? Um, Yeah, overall, what they what what was said earlier about the strength and the in the in the the play, the intentional play of, of the character within the waist to make a wave around. That was cool. Um, this one also, I think for me had, I'm going to go into a slight difficulty, right? Um, it was a, a bit harder for me to read, uh, simply because they used two different colors of green, yeah. but they intermixed them and blended them together where it was going to get in the way of reading, uh, the character's expression or sort of, we talked about that animated style of expression. Um, so I think it was what green and lime or, or maybe it's dark green as well was mixed in there. I, I'm sorry, my memory's not that great, but um, to me that, that like, it's like camouflage I talked about before where it's hard. It was a little bit harder to interpret it. Um, what I did enjoy was, you know, once again, someone took, uh, ostensibly a Western idea, um, particularly I'm thinking about further West, like Southwest, uh, the big Saguaro cacti or, or taking the idea of a cactus and then putting it on top of the bowl, I thought was, was hilarious. Um, and then putting, um, you know, the little thorns or spikes here and there to kind of give it that that read as a cactus. Um, so overall, I, I think a, a good job from this team. I'm I'm also excited because these guys have always been somewhere in the middle. Um, so so I don't know. Maybe they're a sleeper team. I'm, I'm waiting for that. I'm waiting for that. Maybe that slow Saturn V rocket boost where it starts out <laughs> real slow, going upwards off the ground, and then all of a sudden. It just keeps accelerating. I'm really hoping this is one of those teams where, you know, it really starts to starts to pick up steam and, and they keep improving because because I, I really want to see more from these guys. Yes. I mean, I definitely feel like the edits like being soft on them, but I do feel like they've got the chops. Like, so I definitely think we're going to see more of them. And I definitely agree with you about the greens uh, sort of losing the character in that design. I did make a note saying, is it a cactus or a spiky watermelon? Uh, but Dave, what did you oh. think? <laughs> 
or Zook, big Zook. Uh, going back to the build phase, I mean, Jamie is absolutely giddy when he gets to that table and sees what they're doing. I mean, he's like jumping up and down. He's so excited. Um, and he he talks about, oh, it's extremely unexpected, which is such a Jamie thing to say. Um, but like they're taking a page right out of Caleb and Jacob's playbook with tires as shopping shock absorbers but also they've got the strings in the arms which is exactly what they did in the puppet challenge um and they talked about over engineering i mean this is definitely a build that focused on the concept this is a conceptual build this is our concept that we're going to lean into the motion character as has been said got kind of left behind in terms of it didn't read so much as a character but they went big with a great idea and Sometimes those great ideas spawn other things further on in the competition. So great for them for taking a risk. And I think this was looked the best on the ball. Yeah. I mean, it was certainly a super interesting build. When we got the zoom in, the face was really successful, but it was also really small. And I feel like that was the thing that sort of stood out to me was that a lot of the details that were uh, that were really big was like the stomach. But the details I wanted to be bigger was the head, you know, because I felt like they really actually had an incredibly expressive face, but it was just so small and kind of tucked in there that to your point moto that like 10 foot view, it just doesn't read as well as like as maybe even like the pig like we just talked about with Dave and Emily. Um, but yeah, so when this one was on the bull, we see level one starts to do its little wiggle kind of looks like those um, like the hula dance you keep on your dashboard. Um, and then uh, level six, it's going around and around and around and then finally broke. Uh, but yes, uh, Amy really loved all that motion. She said when it was going around on that bull, it looked like it was riding it. That motion brought it to life and had everyone rooting for it to go all the way. And it, and it's kind of funny. It reminds me of the last challenge a bit too, where like motion wasn't a, a necessary element, but it just goes to show what motion can do to a Lego build, you know, to take it from static sculpture to like a living, breathing character. And I think this one was probably maybe the most successful at that. Well, our final team is next. We've got Emily and Liam. You know, even though they stole Moto's idea and didn't know it, uh, they had Jackalope Jill. Uh, and so as the person with the most Jackalope, aka Jackrabbit and Antelope hybrid experience Moto, what did you think about how this one came together? Well, <clears throat> of course, they were running with an idea I had, which you know, it dared me to the idea, but um, <laughs> the execution I thought was absolutely beautiful. So by far, this was my favorite. And there's a couple of reasons. One is um, we talked about the large expressive eyes. It had yeah. that in spades, but they were even offset at an angle, slight angle, um, which is not an easy thing to do. Um, and then the rest of it, when I think about brick sculpting, at least, at least basic brick sculpting, right, that we, we tend to think about, where you're trying to create curves by insetting and offsetting the bricks by one stud in and out to create a more organic shape. Um, this one really wasn't that tower in disguise. It, 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 it absolutely had the shapes around the base going up and then, and then you know, an actual head that was round. And of course, the ears, um, very simple color palette, but done really well. Once again, we talk about the simplification, um, the idea to, to cartoonize something, I think, was really well done in this one. So you had a basic tan and the pink just popped off of that. Um, but the one thing I wouldn't have come up with, which which is really kind of set this for me, 
was the idea to put the head in the middle of the model and the idea to use the ears to get to the height requirement and losing all of that top heavy weight to really bring that center of mass down into that pot belly tummy, right? And then, and then by having that large flat base, we talked about the frog, right? It's the same idea, but for some reason, um, it didn't seem like it was, it had that volcano dome kind of taper, extreme taper to it. And I think maybe that was because the model was maybe half the height of all the others. If you discounted the fact that they put these two antenna on the top, kind of like, kind of like um, what used to be the Sears Tower in Chicago, right? You put some antennas on the top and you're the tallest building <laughs> in the world by that extra couple of feet or inches. It was just, that was a brilliant strategic decision. I don't come up with it. And, and to see um, just, just it's solved so well in all of these different departments just, just warmed my heart. So yes. congratulations to that team. <laughs> For sure. Um, yeah, this was definitely a cute one as well. Um, but Dave, what did you think about the jackalope? Um, well, I'm really amazed by the structure. So at one point, Liam talks about how he the core is technic with brick sculpting. And, you know, we see that, that there's brick sculpting and it seems like a, a different kind of sculpting uh, compared to um, Stephen and Stephen, who did studs out sculpting. This is seems like studs up sculpting, which I think is even harder um, just because it, it really have to think carefully about how you're going to do that. But when I looked inside that, I saw a lot of plates and locking going on. So whatever was in there was really, really, really well designed. And I have a feeling that those ears went all the way down to the bottom. And that's what helped keep them stable. So it wasn't just something that was added on at the end. They had this plan going in from the start. They had thought this challenge out very, very carefully. They listened to the rules and they found a way to make the rules work for them. Um, the amazing sculpting, they, they smart approach to the height, and it was just a fun character. So I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, and it played off of like a fantasy character, which Amy was definitely a fan of. So we love to see that. Mel, what did you think about this one? You know, it's our final build. We get, have to get your final thoughts. Oh, man, Dave, Dave said it all. Um, but when I look at when I look at the character, I see like, you know, and it's probably a different animal. I'm sure it is. Uh, Rocco's modern life, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it's, I'm, 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 I'm telling on myself. But yeah, that was my one of my favorite cartoons. And the ears, like you said, the ears were, but uh, thanks for the insight on the ears, Dave, because I, I never even put two and two together like that. But when, when it cracks open, you see like, you know, all those plates put together and it's like, aha, ah, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that, I think, I think that was well played. You know, you could tell that that team really are thinkers, like they're, they're thinkers. Um, and, and I mean, well played to them, man. Yeah. When this one fell apart or tore out, it was the only one that actually didn't have, when, when you tore out, there were two pillars coming up, which to Dave's point, I believe were where the ears were. That was really indicative that, that it had a core remaining on the bowl after it tore out whereas everything else every other model that i saw at least when it tore out the saddle was flat right the whole thing went like sheared off the base whereas this one didn't seem to have a shear out as much as it just just the sheer force against it right failed somewhere in the middle of the core where where you know it was so well designed but you could see you could actually see those two i don't know what they were internal structures were left over um when it did when it did finally fail which i thought was yeah. impressive right it was is a one of the few, maybe the only model that had that happen. Yes, very impressive for sure. And it reminds me actually of like the like building fun fact, I think from last uh, season, 
where Jamie talked about, I think during the one hanging brick challenge, like how to build a really stable, you know, um, structure. And he talked about technic, but then using those, um, you know, those, uh, what, I forget what you call them, like those brackets that hang off the side to create snot and then hitting plates with them on the side to reinforce that connection. And so I think that's, you know, what you were talking about, Dave, that they were really attempting is all that great reinforcement. So, you know, listen, you can learn a lot from those Brickmasters, even in the episodes of the show. Um, and it's great to see them put it to good use. And Jamie loved it too. He said, I love that your sculpting didn't come at the expense of strength. And I think that we saw that happen with a lot of other teams. So listen, Emily and Liam are definitely on fire here, but let's go into the results. Obviously we saw all, actually I, I forgot to say one important thing. Emily and Liam's build at level two, the ears are vibrating. Level eight, still incredibly solid. Level nine, still incredibly solid. And then level 10, it did like a double flip off the bowl, which was really fun. So the point is that this was our first and only level 10 and, you know, great character level 10. I mean, like I said, they're they're on fire as far as I'm concerned. So very exciting there. So when we get to the results, obviously there's a lot on the line this time with the golden brick at play, the top two becomes even more important. And in our top two, we had Emily and Liam who got to that level 10 and Steven and Steven who got to level eight. So notably Nick and Stacy who had gotten to level nine were not part of the top two. And I think to your point, Dave, this goes back to the original rules which is that it's 50%, you know, how long that they lasted and 50% the design. And so clearly they felt like the sum total of Steven and Steven's contributions here put them in the top two. And as our winner, if it wasn't already obvious by our discussion of them, it was Emily and Liam. So Dave, you know, what did you think? You know, was this certainly the right winner or is it the right top two? You know, how, how do you think about the judging of this? All right. Um, I think you got to put Liam and Emily in the top two because they had, they made it the farthest and it looked great. Yeah. You can make an argument for a lot of teams to be with there with them. Uh, you can make an argument, but I would say for me, it was the right top two. I think that Steven and Steven just had a little bit more sculpting than Nick and Stacy. So I, I see rewarding them and I'm not worried about Nick and Stacy. So I'm not worried <laughs> about them not being in the top two. I think that they are doing what they do well. They, they're proving that they can do things. And I, I have no worries about where they're going. And For I, sure. I, I just, you know, just to to blame, to make the point that Golden Brick not tied to who wins, Golden Brick tied to who made it the farthest, which is perfect in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, Nick and Stacy kind of remind me a little bit of Brendan and Greg. They're not getting a ton of an edit, but they're incredibly solid in every challenge. You know, so to your point, you know, what, whether they should have belonged here at the top two or not, I have no doubt about them. Obviously, Nick, he's been on the podcast before, so I'll always have a special place for him. But I still have no doubt they're they're doing very well, you know, in every challenge. They're just not obviously hitting this top two. But but that's not to say that they're do, they're not doing a great job. But uh, Moto, what did you think about Emily and Liam's win here? Well, of course, I'm going to say I loved it. You know, because I blabbed <laughs> on about how awesome it was. Uh, no, I... The judge, you know, I, a lot of people can give Amy and Jamie heat for judging and why they judge this and why they judge that. But um, every episode so far, I've, I've agreed with their choices. You know, people were there. And I think um, from all of us discussing it, um, uh, these two were very, very strong, not just structurally, but the aesthetics were there, right? Talking yeah. about not um, trying to break free of the box, you know, using the lower center of gravity, um, still retaining a great character that reads well and has an expression, a really great expression from a distance. Um, and then the details, right? The little NPUs that draw your eye in and, and catch the eye for a little bit of a 
um, you know, something that's fun and, and, and entertaining um, after the first glance, something you can look at for a while and not, not just be bored with it. So um, yeah, judging was really well done. Yes. And I think like oftentimes I, I always think, you know, the winner of each challenge sort of like best represents the challenge. And I feel like to your point about the strength and the aesthetics, you know, they really mastered, you know, both in a really special way. Mel, what did you think about our top two? Any other takeaways that we've missed? I think these are the two solid teams uh, for this for this challenge. I think that, uh, like you said, um, even Dave said, like you can make an argument for either one. I like that. I like that. You know, uh, each team, and it kind of reminds me of season two, where each team is only like maybe a two degree separation from each team, so it could be yeah. a, it's getting Sunday for each team, right? Um, and then we're starting to see. I think we're at the point we're starting to see where each challenge will bring out the strength in every team. So as we go on, you see a different team. As we go on, we go and see a different team, and then you get down to the nuts and bolts. It's like, all right, we're here for a hundred grand, and I think that's when you're, you're forefront teams will come up for it and you'll see that they'll start being the predominant teams. But for this challenge, I think these were our most two strongest teams. Yeah. Well, it's also interesting because Emily and Liam won the second challenge. Steven and Steven won the first challenge. So I sort of feel like uh, they better watch their backs. You know, I mean, I feel like everybody's got their eyes on them now um, if they didn't already. But no, I'm teasing, of course. But I feel like, um, you know, it is one of those things that's definitely something to note. What do you think, Dave? Well, I just want to say I, I, I need to, you know, do a little course correction for you, Michael, because earlier you said this was like the make and shake challenge in <laughs> season two. And you said they, 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 that went to 10. But to quote Nigel Tufnell, ours went to 11. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, listen, uh, Dave, I, I'll never insult your expertise <laughs> and excellence again. So I apologize if I did. Um, no, but I mean, but I think similarly to how you won that challenge, you know, your aesthetics was on point and obviously your uh, ability to last on the shake table was undeniable. And so it feels really like a win akin to yours and Richard's win from the make and shake challenge. But sadly, when there's a top two, there's always a bottom two. And this one was really this one hurts. I mean, it's, I feel like every, every episode that goes on, we fall more in love with everyone. So it definitely hurts. But our bottom two were Dave and Emily and Carrie and Patrick. For Dave and Emily, they had Toby the pig. It was such a fun character. You really thought about the story. Unfortunately, it wasn't strong enough. And your build was the first out at the rodeo is what Amy said. And for Carrie and Patrick, Jamie said, you went quite heavy, a testament to your building that you could put that many bricks down, kind of the bricks per minute from your make and shake challenge. But he also went on to say, but it put your center of gravity quite high, unfortunately, and that's where it failed. So again, it's 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 tough, you know, big risks, you know, often don't pay off, sadly. Um, and this is, I think, what came down to these final two. And sadly, we had to say goodbye to Carrie and Patrick. And this one definitely hurt me, you know, but Moto, what was your takeaway of, you know, the bottom two and and the team we sadly have to say goodbye to. Well, yeah, I mean, that's where I said, you know, it's the artist and the artwork. Um, sadly, you know, for the artwork, it just, you know, the two models, if you look at them side by side, we've discussed that, you know, when, when that thing didn't last very long, I just, I had a feeling. I had yeah. a near certainty, almost like when a hat explodes, right? Before it even gets on the runway, you kind of know <laughs> with fair, fair certainty that what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and so it happened. So I, I can't say that judges weren't right. Um, they, they were absolutely judging correctly in my mind. I think the difficulty is, um, you know, the, these were one of, one, of the, one of the teams that just stood out in terms of personality and just enjoyable people um, in front of the camera. You know, it's a, it's a team that I was 
you know, emotionally connected to through the lens. And that's what makes it so hard. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, you know, they're not judged. You're not judging the artist. You're judging the, the artwork and, and where it stands against the challenge. Um, so, yeah. and, and that's where it is for all the reasons we discussed, right? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, like, you know, because of the judging being 50% on the how long it lasted in the rodeo and 50% on aesthetics, that level two is probably what put Dave and Emily in the bottom. But the aesthetics piece is probably what set them apart, you know? So, I mean, because obviously, you know, I think it was um, Brendan and Greg, I think, got to level six. You know, so, you know, level six and level four, you know, compared compared to Carrie and Patrick wouldn't have been that different. You know, maybe we could have seen them down this low, but I think that level two just pulled them so far down. But the strength of their pig character was probably really what set them apart enough to stay. So I sort of feel like that's where Carrie and Patrick were just, you know, kind of in the middle there of the of the of the elements that sort of whether it was strength or aesthetic were pulling people down. They were sort of in the middle for both elements. It sort of felt like for me. Yeah. But. Yeah. And they were struggling before. Right. Yeah. Um, so this isn't the first time they've been up there. Uh, it's just that this is the one that knocked them out. Yeah. It's very season one in that way where I feel like every team was in the bottom two one challenge and they went home the next challenge. It wasn't that way in season two, but Mel, what was your, what's your takeaway as we say goodbye to Carrie and Patrick? You know, Carrie, Carrie and Patrick are definitely like hands down, probably one of the most lovable character, you know, teams on, on this, on this show because they had yeah. so much character that, you know, they were very vibrant to be a bunch of old guys. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, it's, uh, I think that's what they'll be remembered for, you know, not, not so much your, your loss, but that you were just a very memorable character on the show. Yes. They brought so much personality. And I was actually lucky enough to meet Carrie at Brick World Chicago this year and like just such a solid guy. And listen, Patrick seems great, too. But getting you know to spend a little bit of time with Carrie, you know, it hurts all that much more. But Dave, what's your takeaways here as as we end this episode? I mean, you've got two teams with really big personalities. And unfortunately, it didn't work out for them, this challenge. Um, you know, it's it's really good that the judging criteria were clear. And we know, I mean, I mean, there's many people who will say, oh, well, you know, Dave and Emily's, theirs wasn't on as long as they should go home. But it was very clear. Amy said it very clearly that we're going to judge these two things equally. So if anybody has complaints, go back to that. And if you look at the two things, it, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Is it unfortunate? Obviously, but they're fun. They're super fun. They had fun builds. They seemed like they had a fun time. And, you know, we're just glad to have them be part of our community. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Carrie said, I come away as a winner because look at the folks behind me. I will cherish this forever. You know, his heart, his full friendships, time with Patrick, all these things I think really just meant so much to them. And Patrick, you know, went on to say, you know, right now I get to go home and play Lego with my grandson who I've dearly missed. My parting words is gratitude. I'm grateful to be here. And, you know, I think like one thing I called out in a previous podcast is like they really wanted to be there like they and they wanted to fight and they wanted to leave it all out on the table. And I feel like they, you know, hearing their own words, I feel like they feel like they did. And that's, I think, all anyone could hope for if you have to say goodbye to the competition. But we thought the episode was over here. We thought, okay, oh, time for the, but wait, time there's for the more. trailer. Time for the trailer. <laughs> you know, it's like Steve Jobs, one more thing, you know. And and honestly, I think tonally, this was strange. You know, I feel like you sort of feel, you felt the episode slow down in a weird way. And Will goes, we've got bigger challenges coming your way. We hear a whistling sound. Builders, hold on to your horses because it looks like there's a new team in town. And outcome from behind the saloon doors, Ethan and Dom. Dom's like mugging, giving this like epic look to Cam, you know, kind of at, at, at Ethan. But he just like, I almost felt like, you know, it was like, you know, like uh, they were trying to like paint them almost like as these like bullies. They were like, you know, or something like kind of like the 
you know, the, the, like the guy, uh, the evil villain from the Western was like finally rolling into, into the saloon and the sheriff was going to have to take him down almost. But this was definitely a big entrance. Mel, I feel like you had to appreciate the theatrics of this. You know, what did you, what was your takeaway seeing a, a, now a 13th team entering here in episode three? It's called East Coast Swagger. Like, you know, we, we, <laughs> a lot of, we're smart Alex, right? So we come on the stage like smart Alec-ly, Alec-ly. It's all right, Alec. <laughs> Right. But uh, uh, yeah, so his 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 face was, you know, basically, you know, that East Coast swagger. And um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm looking. I know who the kid is. And, uh, um, he, you know, and like they say, they he's a big TikTok guy and stuff like that. And his mouth is bigger than mine. So, <laughs> so I am looking forward to the, the rhetoric. And maybe he, he this is the team that needs to get the other teams going like for the drama instance, right? Maybe, maybe this is them, you know, um, but they, it's tough because I already hate this team. <laughs> just, the way, just the way they brought them out, I already hate this team. I hate this team's guts. And so, and I'm just like with the, with the captain firefighter, the captain, you know, and shout out to public service. And, uh, uh, you know, he's like, hey, look, you know, you know, you got to earn respect here. You know, you're still a rookie. You know, you, you don't even belong to be in here. You know, we're, we're three episodes in. I, I I would be very, very upset because it's like we, we just seen three teams go. And now, hey, you come trying to get some of this money. <laughs> I know. Well, it's interesting because like, um, you know, it felt a little uncharacteristic to the show, I will say, which often has that kind of like uh, great British, you know, baking show camaraderie mm-hmm. and, you know, and the the competition of it all never sort of feels at the forefront. And all of a sudden, mm-hmm. like the record scratch kind of happens and here they come in, you know, but Dave, what was your takeaway seeing this team? Obviously, you predicted them all along in our sneak peek episode. You caught them in the trailer, but you know, but now seeing it play out, you know, what was your takeaway? So a couple things. Um, first of all, this is, you're a huge Survivor fan, Michael. Yeah. Lego Masters season one, there was some drama, a little bit of drama, a little bit of, there's some people to root for, there's some people you might want to root against. But on the whole, just a wonderful group of people and a very great British Bake Off kind of show. Season two, I mean, so everybody is just like, we're family, we're, we love each other. And you get to season three and you get that same feeling. And I'm sure there's somebody, somebody behind a desk somewhere saying, we need to shake things up. We need a Johnny Fair, Fairplay to come in here, somebody to root against. And like you said, Michael, like they're coming in like the black hats. They're coming in hard. This is who you're going to root against. Look at these punk teenagers who are on TikTok. We got to root against them. I'm sure they are probably really good builders. So that people can root against them because the better they are, the more people will root against them. I know. Um, But yes, this is the worst kept secret for Lego Masters. We saw you in the trailer if you slow it down. Hey, Lego Instagram, we saw that you were already following them. Don't give these secrets away. Keep us a surprise. <laughs> I know Dave is like a real detective. We were DMing about this before the show. But yes, they, they say we're a couple of teens who love Lego and we're here to win this thing. And it's tough because I, I actually met Dom at Brick World Chicago as well. And he was incredibly nice. And it's one of those things where, you know, obviously it's, you know, they're trying to bring in another demographic, you know, with, with, you know, putting in some young builders, they were 18 and 19 at the time when filming started. And, but it's tough because I have to imagine they didn't ask for this, you know, they didn't ask to be put in late. 
They didn't want to, you know, to abide for the first three weeks of the tournament, you know, and all this sort of stuff. And they know that everyone, to your point, is thinking with three teams we love just went home and here you are, you know, like, and if you're one of those three teams, I can't even imagine how upset you'd be, you know, like, you know, you get your chance and somebody gets to, you know, like, uh, you know, as Steven said, these kids are skipping the line, you know, it's, it's tough. I felt so conflicted because like I said, I feel like Dom is, is a friend of the, of, of me, if, if you will, uh, even though I met him only once, but it's one of those things where like, I know that these are very fun additions to the show. I'm so glad they were cast. I'm really glad to see them. And I feel kind of crunchy about the whole thing because I know the circumstances and it's tough. Um, you know, so Moto, what, you know, what, what do you think as, as we look to go on, you know, uh, for this season? So plainly stated, I did not like the mechanism. You know, yeah. it was it was scripted. It was forced. Um, it was definitely done as as kind of a caricature. caricature with, you know, someone's obviously coaching them swagger on stage you know doing this try doing that <laughs> um so it didn't feel authentic right mm-hmm. and it was definitely manufactured for the greatest effect of, of what you guys have said to make these guys out to be the young guns uh you know up against um the the established cast members that are already there um to list a reaction of hating them um which is unfortunate because i've always loved the positive side that all of the you know all of the you know, the main thrust of uh, drama was the pe- wonderful people being put under these very difficult build circumstances, right? It was a, it wasn't the interpersonal conflict between teams. It was the conflict of trying to beat the challenge in the clock. So um, yeah, I, I didn't like the way they were introduced. Um, I've been friends with them for over a year on TikTok. So I do TikTok. So yeah, I know Cool Guy Dom. I know even the Artisan along with their, their other trio of, of Lego talkers. Um, you know, and, and uh, Ethan, I've always kept an eye on Ethan because, because he is a very astute builder, even though, even though he's a very young, young individual. So, um, yeah, I didn't like the the reality show mechanics of it. Yeah. Um, but I guess this is a good thing to try out because ultimately uh, moving this to the fall season and, and watching the viewership ratings uh, as a result, you know, maybe this will push the show further in one direction or another as far as production is concerned. Because, you know, like anything, um, these things are A-B tested and statistics, it's going to be you know, statisticians are going to be all over this, looking for um, what happens, you know, after this performance, this late, this late introduction. Overall, I love these guys. Um, you know, I've hung out with them for a while. I, I will admit that I have donated to them financially on TikTok. So, um, <laughs> you know, you, you're supposed to declare your sponsors, you know, yes, as part of the exactly. podcast. Maybe. Your campaign and contributions so of sorts. <laughs> my campaign contribution uh, for, for, you know, these guys in, in trying to 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 help them out with their Lego addiction um, before the show is is truly there. So, um, you know, they're not, I guess, evil. They're very nice young gentlemen. They're great to hang out with. They're AFOLs to the core. Uh, They'll be a great addition to the family. Um, I just, like I said, I wish the manufactured kind of way it was presented and rolled out, stuck in my throat. um, Kind of like I'm hearing maybe from you guys. the WWF guy, right? And uh, I think his name was uh, was it Roman? Was it uh, the the bad guy, right? The bad guy. He, everybody loves to hate the bad guy. So, Lego Masters, I want to tell you, you probably get a the scuttlebutt is that what well, you know? I don't like this. I don't like the way they did this. Who who did it? Lego Masters, if you're listening, you did your job. 
because everybody's <laughs> talking about it. Everybody, well, if it's good, and it, and I had an old chief tell me, he said, look, you know, an officer is probably going to do 100,000 good things, and you're probably going to do one bad thing in your career. Everybody will remember that one bad thing, but nobody remembers all the good things, right? The good things that Lego came out with, the Lego Masters came out with this show. And you get the, the the natural, you know, drama with the clock and trying to trying to get these bills done and stuff like that. That's a byproduct. We're going to get that. You're going to get great bills. You're going to get great builders on the show. You know, at the end of the day, Lego Masters is trying to win that hardware. So what you do, you introduce a new element where you manufacture this drama, right? Because you're trying to win that hardware. And everybody hates the bad guy, right? Everybody hates the bad guy. Everybody loves to hate the bad guy. They do. And I say that because in season one, they, you know, inadvertently twi twisted me and Jermaine as the bad guys. And it was like, all right, well, if this is our role, then we're just going to play it because this is this is it, you know. Um, and, and it took us a while to figure it out. But every time they kept putting us up against other people and, and you fill it out. So, you know, Lego Masters, kudos to you because you got everybody talking about the bad press, right? So you, it might be bad press, but people are talking about it. So you did your job. So well, also, you know, I don't discount the fact there's probably going to be, well, my hope, my hope is there's, there's a redemption arc in there that, that they wind up becoming wholesome and endearing, you know, over yeah. time as we truly learn about them. So, I mean, we saw that with Sam Hatmaker out of the season one episode, right? Um, people are flaming the living Jesus out of him for, mm -hmm. for what he said in the first episode. But by the end of the season, you know, uh, you, you realize that these these folks were, in fact, uh, you know, quite, quite endearing and, and, and the team he could root for. So, uh, yeah, my hope is that the, the show eventually, you know, just comes back to a center. And this is one of those things where they do it for the flash in the pan and, and it drives more viewers because we all want more Lego loving people out there in the world. Yeah. Um, so there's always hope. You know, I'm out. Yeah, guys. Lego loving people in big bags. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, it doesn't uh, hurt that Dom brings like 330,000 TikTok followers. Ethan the Artisan has like 1.2 million TikTok followers. And so I'm glad you said hurt. that. Do you feel do you feel that this season is all about social media? Because Nick, Nick. Well, Nick's got Twitch, right? Um, yeah. So you've got different Nick, segments of social. You media. might as well say Nick owns Twitch at this point because Nick is a mogul with Lego and Twitch, right? And then his partner Stacy, she she has a little bit of screen time too, and and then you got the the you know um, um, Dom and 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 his and his buddy Ethan. So I think this is the battle of the social media moguls. You know, I, we'll I, have to I, see. Last last season was the siblings. I think this is this is probably going to be the social media role right now. Okay, hot take, calling it early here. Oh. Um, but yeah, we'll have to see how it all plays <laughs> out. You know, it's it's tough. It's mm. tough. I feel very conflicted. Yeah. I think you know the only other thing I'm thinking, you know, Dave as a Survivor fan is. Could it have been Redemption Island? You know, so that was a mechanic on Survivor where you get voted out, you go to a separate island, and then you you eventually compete amongst the people who get voted out to get back into the game. And part of me feels like maybe that would have been the way to do it is give Drew and Miranda, give us his and Eddie, give, you know, uh, Carrie and Patrick a, a chance and maybe even let them compete against Dom and, and Ethan, you know, and, and, and then let whoever oh. wins that get back into the competition. You know, that's the exactly challenge. the mechanics of Australia mm -hmm. when they had a team short and they couldn't work out the math is they had a, the, the, the two eliminated teams went head to head in a mini competition to build an object um so if you're familiar with australia they've done that mechanic but 
but you know the U.S. doesn't play by the uh, doesn't play Australian football. You know we're playing American football. <laughs> you know? you, you, you're you. there to just beat the quarterback into the ground when you can. <laughs> I tell you, I think some things some things change with that show. So like even like this season, I think I think we this is probably just more to come. Season four probably be even better. You know, you know, and you know, uh, you don't know who's driving or who, who's the captain who's steering the ship this time. You don't know. So. Yeah, might be a, might be a different captain that's steering the ship. So let's let's sit back and and get your popcorn ready. Yes, maybe we'll see. Even on the show Big Brother, they had a uh, twist where someone was a saboteur. I would like to see that somebody who makes more money every week they last and sabotage other teams. No, I'm just kidding. That'd be <laughs> terrible. That'd be so terrible. Oh, but it makes me feel like we're not too many seasons away from something like that. But we'll have to see. <laughs> but moving on to the challenge, because we did get a trailer. It was very short, yep. but we got it, which was about building tree houses without any connection points. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we in season two, we saw the cliffhanger where they had like 10 connection points. We saw the one hanging brick where there was that one technic beam that was a connection point. But this is our first time seeing no connection points. So, Dave, you know, what's your thoughts about this challenge? Uh, well, I think Richard would have loved this challenge because he really loves tree houses. Um, <laughs> I have actually built a tree house. Not out of Lego, but out of wood. Uh, so I think this is something that definitely we would have really enjoyed doing. And I think the hard part would have been for us, like, how do we put our Richard and Dave spin on it? And how do we make it something that could say something? Yeah. And I think like the 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 interesting thing here is it kind of reminds me of the flip my block challenge a little bit, which is like, how do you make a more interesting house? It, you know, it, sh- it shouldn't just be the you know tree house made of wood. You know, I think how do you spin this challenge on its head? I think will probably be something that comes into play. But Moto, what do you think about this one? I feel like you you would tackle this challenge quite well. Oh yeah, yeah. I think this would have been a uh, a fun one to do. In fact, it's one you can do at home. I mean, if you find a a bonsai youngling or sapling that someone's kind of cleaned up for, you could do it. At, I mean, this <laughs> one's very approachable because no, I mean that's kind of what they're doing. Is it looks like. Uh, younger bone size that you know haven't been fully trained but are are fairly thin right um yeah fairly technically not too hard i mean it gives you enough of a technical challenge to try to figure out how to balance um things on there the weight's going to be kind of critical with those thin branches that you're given because it's not a really sturdy tree um so a little bit of technical but much more leaning into the fun and enjoyment once again bring the storytelling in um really finding a good take on it um, and then, you know, we'll see what the clock said it, but I have a feeling there's going to be another one of those under the gun kind of got to get it together pretty quickly and, and tell us, tell a good story. So I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I don't know. I think this bull one's probably going to stay probably as my number one is my guess for a long time, simply because it just was, it just was bonkers. You know, I really <laughs> loved it. Um, yeah. So looking forward to it and, uh, yeah, now we're toward the end. Thanks for letting me, uh, chat with all these wonderful panelists and yourself just about, um, you know, this great episode and the one looking ahead. Yes. Oh my gosh. Our pleasure. But one last thing, Mel, I got to get your opinion on is we see Michelle break down. We see her kind of walk to the outskirts of the set and says, I can't do this anymore. So what do you think that's about? I think the bad guy got to her. Oh, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> no, no. I, you know what? You know, I, I, I said something earlier. And maybe it hurt somebody's feelings. Maybe they maybe did. I don't know. But this is what Lego Masters is about, right? Like, you know, you you get like thousands and thousands of people want to sign up because it's this wonderful thing. It's great. 
it's torture. It is. It's torture because <laughs> you gotta think about you gotta think about it. Dave, Dave, no, you gotta think about because you're thinking quick. The time is ticking, you're thinking quick. And Lego artists are perfectionists. You're telling a perfectionist, hey, look, you only got a limited time to show me your, your wow. And 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 at the end of the day, if it don't work, it it's your all your emotions, all your hard work, all that, all at your heart, your soul, you know, you're ready to hit the floor. And season one, that happened like three times. Right. Season two. I, I wasn't there for season two, but I'm sure it happened several times for season two. You can see it on the faces. And here they actually showing somebody again hitting the floor like, you know, like I'm out. I'm tapped out. I ain't got nothing left. You know, I, and I remember actually they didn't catch it on TV, but. I told you, man, I said, dude, I, I don't have nothing left. If if we get ready to get voted off, this is this is it, man. I, I wish I had more left, but I ain't got nothing left in the tank. I, ain't, I can't even think straight. And so that that's in the, like an emotional shutdown. Um, and, 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 and it's tough. That's what I said. It's, it's tough. It's not for everybody. You know, not too many people got the got the guts or the bricks to to do that. Yeah, well, I'm hoping it's a fake out. I'm hoping I'm hoping that we see Christina Michelle crush it like they've been doing the last few challenges. But uh, certainly, uh, you know, this is uh, sort of the um, the Christian's tower falling or Christian and Aaron's tower falling of it all. I feel like, you know, mm -hmm. how many times did we see that clip in the trailers for season one? I feel like this clip has been in all the compilations that we see for season three. You know, so hope, I'm hoping it's a little bit of a fake out like it was for Aaron and Christian because they got to redeem themselves. So I'm really hoping that Christina Michelle can sail through uh, to, a, to a good build here at the end. But that's the end of our podcast here. And uh, like Moto said, this was so much fun. And it was just so such a pleasure to be able to break it down with all of you. So just thank you from the bottom of my heart. But I want to make sure everyone can stay in touch with you after the podcast. So Dave, if everyone wants to follow what you're up to, where can they stay in touch with you? Pretty easy to find me, uh, Dave Coletta on Instagram. However, if you are in Chicago this weekend and you would like to come see me at Kiddo, in uh on roosevelt road i will be there uh doing a live build and showing off some of the awesome black creativity builds so please stop by yes yeah. definitely stop by it honestly the builds i saw them in person like they're even cooler than they are on instagram so definitely if you can make it try to make it but moto if everyone wants to stay in touch with all of you and your fun builds uh where can they keep in touch sure moto.lake on instagram uh, it's the general portfolio of things once I finish them. And if you like seeing things that are in progress behind the scenes or tricks or tips or things going horribly wrong, which happened today, uh, <laughs> TikTok, moto.lego. All right. Or is it moto underscore lego? It's moto lego in some combination. All right. Just just search it and you'll find it. They're you'll find it. about the algorithm <laughs> and such. Uh, but Mel, you know, uh, where can everybody stay in touch with you? Um, easily found on, uh, on Instagram as uh, iceberg underscore bricks or... I do a 90 minute bill with some friends of mine called Lego Versus on YouTube and that's Iceberg Bricks YouTube. Yeah, don't miss it. Um, well, thank, thank you to our amazing panel. I don't think this will be the last you'll hear from them during this season, but we just thank you so much for all the time and for all of your amazing takes. Thank you. Thanks, Michael. Thank you so much, Michael. It was so much fun getting to break down this episode. And with all of the shenanigans happening here, I can't wait to see what comes next. But next in your feed will be my interview with the new team, Ethan and Dom, so you can hear all about how they got on the show. Plus, I'll also be having an exit interview with Carrie and Patrick, so you can get their perspective as well. Not to mention, I'll be back next week 
week with an all-new panel of LEGO Masters contestants to break everything down in the next episode. So with all that coming your way, you better subscribe to make sure you don't miss out on anything. So if you want to follow along with the podcast, be sure to subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening to it now. And if you're listening on iTunes, be sure to leave us a review as it really helps others find the podcast. If you want even more LEGO content, be sure to check out my YouTube channel, Talk Bricks, where I cover the LEGO news for the week every Saturday. And you can follow the channel on all social media platforms with the username at Talk Bricks. And if you want to follow the podcast on Instagram and Facebook, it's Talk Bricks Masters. And on Twitter, it's TB Masters. Thanks again, and I'll see you guys next time. Thank you.